Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hello. And then Kyle Hilliard. Hi. And then Jeff Marchiafava. Hey. Welcome, everybody. We have a hell of a show here. We have a lot to get through. Um, also, just plug out of the gate. There is obviously the MinMax Show. We're happy you're here. We're happy you're listening to this, watching this. But I want to remind folks that the deepest dive for The Last of Us Part Two is still ongoing. We just covered the third section of the game, a third out of four. And so next week is going to be the grand finale for our huge community game club on The Last of Us Part Two. And I'm feeling very confident that at this point it is the best, most thorough discussion about The Last of Us Part Two on the internet, which is something to be proud of. Uh, so thanks everybody in the community that submitted great feedback and just a lot of really insightful thoughts as we go along. Um, Kyle, I know you've already finished the game. No spoilers, yeah. but this third chunk was... I think you already called it on a previous episode of the MinMax show, but this is where the game went from a very good game to something else, to something on another level that's like rare in the video game industry for this level of achievement so far. Maybe they yeah. S the bet in the end. I don't know anything. There's still a whole chunk to cover here. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to proclaim that I love that portion of the game and what they did with it <laughs> okay i don't All know right. why that took so much coughing and clearing my throat but i i really because it's been a debate on the internet needlessly i feel because it's so good maybe that's why i can enjoy last of us part two so much it's just because i've been avoiding all debates on the internet about it if i see a tweet about it if i see a headline that's about it it's like ah, i don't know what i said i don't see it um and there's very little debate on the deepest dive surreal seems like the most negative on the game overall but still is enjoying it thoroughly fair to say surreal I still, I still like the game overall. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank God. Cool. Uh, also, we should thank everybody uh, for being so sweet um, and supporting MinMax to the level that we were able to bring Leo Vader on. Uh, if you're somebody new, thank you for being here. Um, but Leo Vader is somebody that we worked with for years back at Game Reformer. He was a video editor, then video producer. And so he's going to be joining MinMax on a part-time basis, basically as another cohort. I guess officially another yeah. cohort uh, next week. I mean, you might also know him from Vine. He's a Vine star, so That's you might right. also know Vine. <laughs> you might know Vine from HQ, and then you might know HQ. <laughs> Look, it's a complicated web. Vine um, from all those YouTube videos you've seen that compile vines. Since Vine is no longer That's yeah, right. Leo has shown up in a bunch of those, so you've probably seen him before if you're on. He makes cameos on those, and it's paid for all of them. I imagine. <laughs> uh, we'll unpack all of his credits next week uh, when he joins. But again, <laughs> I just, have to be pitch. That's right. Uh, thanks everybody for uh, allowing us to keep growing. It's it's really amazing to see uh, everybody's support here. So hopefully we can keep the whole indie trainer rolling um okay on this episode of the minmax show we are going to be taking a look back at what might be considered the greatest e3 of all time um it's still a summer you remember which year it was <laughs> look i don't understand why there's confusion about this e3 2013 uh so e3 2013 was the run-up to the console uh launches last gen current gen i guess you could say and so i think it's an interesting time to look back at that it's also just it's the summer it's gaming announcements it's the summer of jeff Keeley's summertime game bash we all want to soak in and kind of bring that spirit back so let's look back at e3 2013 and microsoft versus sony that year uh also we're going to talk a little bit about um some tumult is maybe the softest way to put it in the fighting game community. Uh, Sergio Vasquez has a hot report. Um, and then we're going to be joined by Ana Diaz to talk about uh, Hyperscape and other games and then answer a ton of community emails and questions and comments as well. Um, before we get to anything too juicy here, 
Deadly Premonition 2 is coming out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your reviews went up uh, just recently. Yeah. So it seems like uh, the reviews are not kind to Deadly Premonition 2 on Switch. Uh, no. I think on Metacritic, it's sitting around like 54 or something. I don't, I don't know if serial... I, I get the sense maybe you're on the same page as me. Has not diminished my excitement to play that game on Friday in the slightest. <laughs> uh, I feel I I wasn't like a huge fan of the first Deadly Premonition, but I kind of like this is to be expected. I, I I'm not like super surprised by a lot of the the scores out there. Yeah, but, not to say they're they're totally reasonable complaints, like things that should absolutely be pointed out as being like these are bad things about this game. But it's like I still want to see where that thing is going. You know, I I know I think you know co-host of Better Quest Jeff Cork. Uh, I think he played it for Game Informer and he loved that original game too and he was just like this frame rate is unplayable I'm not trying to be a frame rate snob but when we're talking like 10 frames a second running on the switch like this is a chore to get through but I mean I haven't been too like glued into it but Surreal do you think there are those Deadly Premonition fans that are like good let it run I mean, like crap that's the charm well there is literally like that meme that i saw out that that said like oh uh, like there'll be like usual video game leaks it doesn't run at 60 frames a second and then the, the fan reaction is no or whatever and then like they said hey the deadly premonition 2 runs at 24 frames a second on the switch and they're like you let's go like, they, they were all really excited because like yeah i think people have come to love that game as like a, like a trolls 2-esque like oh man this is like abysmal but like there's a charm there's a charm to it uh, and people genuinely, like, unironically do really like that first game. Are you going to play yeah. it, Kyle? Yeah. No, it's like my wife's second favorite game of all time, so we'll be playing it together. Oh, my God. Okay, so next week you can tell us how that thing actually runs. Yeah, I'm sure it runs awful. Okay, great. Ooh. They, they, have, they have mentioned, I think someone was saying that uh, they're not planning to patch it, and then I, I think Patrick Klepek mentioned that, that that is inaccurate, and they're working with a developer to maybe have a more substantial update. So maybe they do end up fixing it at some point, but uh, I think they even ported the first game to Switch, and the frame rate was was like okay. At that right, point. right. Wild times. Hey, uh, Microsoft uh, finally put a date to when they're having their big games debut for the Xbox Series X. It's going to be July twenty third. That is going to be their big gameplay stream, so we have a lot to look forward to later in the month to learn exactly what's going on. Obviously, Halo Infinite gameplay, they've promised, but there have been rumblings about many more things, maybe a new Perfect Dark, maybe a new Fable. Kyle, where are you at? I know there's been lots of uh, leaks and then announcements and retractions. Where are you at with the state of the Perfect Dark rumors? Do you think this thing's happening? I think I was was more on board until the Twitter stuff happened, where someone got the perfect dark game Twitter handle. Yeah. And then, um, um, Ken Lobb followed it. Right. Everyone was like, Oh, what's happening here? And then, then the, that account tweeted, Hey, I'm just a guy. I just happened to get the account. I'm even happy to give it to Microsoft, which I thought was very nice of them. Like to just like, they're like, well, you can have it if you want. But then that, I don't know, that diminished the potential of a rumor in some way for me. But, you know, alternatively, like, I I mean, even with that, like, if, if they had a surprise Perfect Dark announcement, I, I wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be blown away. I would be I would be excited, but it wouldn't be, like, out of left field, you know? Yeah, because there are rumors about the initiative and what they're building out. Because remember, if we even talked about it on the show, there was that LinkedIn post where somebody say, was saying that they were working at uh, the initiative and working on a bunch of sci-fi gadgets, I believe, was the, was the phrasing, something along those lines. So people are connecting it to Perfect Dark, and they talked about reviving old ip maybe um but hang on unless that perfect dark account 
tweeted at Ken Lobb at some point and said, yo, bro, love the club and Goldeneye. Hope it'll be coming back and the new perfect. Like, why else would he follow it? Is it right to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here? Uh, no, I don't think that's... I mean, how would he have found it? I yeah. mean, maybe he's just a Perfect Dark fan and he just has, you know, um, Google searching for Perfect Dark showing up places. No, no, no. no. He just doesn't like Google search. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's go back in time here. We have E3 2013. Um, Jeff, I was thinking about how to frame this. Is it insane to say that it's the best E3? I've only been to eight or nine of them definitely the highlight of my you know e3 attendance throughout the years and it seems like even some old timers remember matt helgeson was like i have never seen anything like this this is as good yeah. as e3 gets yeah it i mean i too you know wasn't there for the super early years when by all accounts they had crazy parties and all kinds of you know celebrities going to it and Lots more shenanigans because it was the '90s and and it was a completely different world back before then. rules existed. But, yeah, yeah, but but I feel like in terms of what modern gamers remember and will remember going into the future, because none of none of those old ones are as well cataloged now as as this one was. And right. I mean, you just look doing some Google search, you know, some YouTube searches before this. There were so many videos that have so well preserved that feeling of when it was actually happening. Yeah, if you're uh, that, I think that yes, this is going to be the it is the most memorable one at this point. They really cornered the market on E3 fail, Microsoft Xbox One reveal. Uh, that yeah. YouTube channel and is full. This this is the moment when Sony won the generation. Yeah. Which it's crazy, but. They're not wrong. I mean, no, it really is. They like, absolutely are not. It, it still feels that way. Yeah. Kyle, uh, did you go back and watch some stuff too? Yeah. I mean, I, I did a weird thing actually where I put both Xbox and Sony's press conferences up side by side and watched them at like really high speed. Did you snap and one was, to one side and the other on your <laughs> Xbox One? I tried, but apparently they removed that feature. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, no, but I have like a plump Firefox where I can watch them like, you know, at five times speed or whatever. So it was five weird to see, times. Like, uh, this, yeah. Well, I was just wanted to, I w- mostly, I just wanted a refresher of what games were announced mm. and that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, there's kill zone. And then it's like, oh, they're showing, oh, they open with metal gear on Xbox oh, yeah. that, and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, there's so many, cause like I, the thing that I always remember is the handing the used disc. Yep. over like that's the one that i remember but if you go back and like look at the bullet point list the other big one was that they announced the price and it was a hundred dollars less than the xbox one like i <laughs> For totally PS4s, forgot yeah. about that which was like just, i mean they they didn't even have to do that and they would have still won e3 and then it's like and you save a hundred bucks by going ps4 which is like absolutely nuts yeah i going back and watching i watched both uh, microsoft's and sony's press conferences and then also in May, it was like May 21st or something, Microsoft had kind of like a pre-E3 show that was more about the features of the Xbox One, talking about the hardware itself, and then they were saving a lot of the game stuff for or for June. But that already kind of got people on the wrong track because already was like, why are they bringing Nancy Tellum out on stage to talk about interactive TV for a while? And like that whole presentation was just bizarre. Yeah. Where it's Roger Goodell from the NFL like interviewing Don Matrick about how cool the Xbox is. Like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, that that May the May press conference was or, you know, presentation was the one that really kind of initially crapped the bed and then you had all of those kind of stories coming out where people were like 
you, you know, it, it set all of the kind of bad news. And I, I yeah. feel like their actual, their actual E3 press conference rebounded a little from that where they, they knew they were supposed to focus more on games and not talk about TV the entire time. Uh, but all of those terrible policies were still in place, which just left them completely open and vulnerable. Well, that's the crazy thing, though, is I think going back and just watching the press conferences, there's so much that you miss from uh, the aura, the vibe, the zeitgeist, the Twitter sphere around that era of gaming. Because if you go back and just watch the press conferences, I think Microsoft had a better press conference than Sony that year. I think they showed more interesting games, more interesting gameplay overall, more reveals. Sony's game lineup was fine, nothing too sensational. Yeah. But then it was the dropping Mac. the mic. Hey, by the way, we're not commenting mm-hmm. so much on Microsoft's press conference during co- conference from earlier. We're commenting on all of their confusing interviews and PR statements surrounding the Microsoft press conference before yes. and after it. Yeah, which was really a bloodbath at the time. I remember that that uh, you know that press con we we covered the press conference and the press conference was okay, but then they had you know a series of interviews that they were doing, and I think at one point they even started just started pulling interviews that they, did. That they weren't going to do anymore. Yep, because yeah, the news that was that, coming yeah. out was so bad, and and that news was really kind of shaping what was going to become the rest of E3 at that point. But I I also went back and I watched some some recaps from Microsoft's press conference, you know, which was before Sony's and the comments in, you know, in the comment section were more positive about it. And there were people saying, you know, like Sony doesn't have any exclusives. I'm totally going Xbox. And, and that was, that was kind of the takeaway before Sony got their chance to go on stage and, and focus on the thing that they absolutely should have focused on. Right. Right. Serial. What do you remember from this era? This is before you're at Game Informer, right? Yeah, I mean, it was weird watching it because it, it's definitely like I don't know, I don't know what like parameters we use for best, but like it was like the when you, people think of when I think of E3, like that's the first one that comes to mind. It, it is the most memorable kind of event because it felt like something that actually happened uh, versus just like hey, here like we judged E3 based on like what games did we see. This one felt like okay, here's an actual like narrative that's forming separate of like whatever announcements uh, are there because like yeah, Sony's lineup I think was like what infamous the uh, infamous. Order eighteen eighty six Killzone's Shadow Fall. They had like Gran Turismo six Beyond yeah. Knack, Knack um, super so think- quick Knack thing. They already showed that at like the February thing. Yeah, yeah, and like this was like I think around the time the Last of Us was coming out. So like I think they showed it, but it was like a hey, it's also coming out soon. It's very funny actually. They they prep it. They're like hey, coming out this Friday is the Last of Us. We think it's a real Game of the Year contender. <laughs> it was quite the understatement. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like that was a weird thing where it's like, oh, so Sony has this uh, so far in the bag. Even if you look at the games, it's like, I don't know that I'd, I I wanted to play Infamous because I was a big Infamous guy. But like beyond that, it was just like, I don't know. I guess that does seem like an okay launch lineup. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really was like those two things, like the price and the detail um, of like, you know, sharing games, I think really were that. But like I went back and watched some of Microsoft's conference and there there was a lot of like, you know, even beyond the TV stuff, like there was like that interview where he's like, hey, if you don't have online, we have a console for you. Xbox 360. It's the surrounding stuff. Yeah, I think that was in that Keeley interview. There was like that really like oddly creepy section about like during the Killer Instinct thing where the guy was just like where he was beating up on like uh, like the woman player and he was like, oh, yeah, just let it happen. It'll be over soon. And like a conversation that just went like 
south from there that and people then, were and then about, like, I remember at the moment like looking around the room like what and it didn't really make that big of a splash I feel like now that is okay stop the presses what the hell did that guy just say because yeah his quote is yeah just let it happen it'll all be over soon and he's like oh you like it oh you like it? and it's just like the worst stage banter imaginable between these two yeah I feel there was like a whole article in the Atlantic about that really <laughs> like, oh wow yeah. It's a pretty short article, but it's it's more like this is notable because of like, hey, like the video game industry is kind of messed up, guys. Ain't great. Uh, so like you going from Microsoft's kind of like, I don't know about all this PR, like just like a track. Like I think people I to some degree kind of underestimate that their lineup was all right. Like they had yeah. the, the Rising 3 and a couple of other stuff, but like the messaging was so just a trash fire in terms of like any anything notable that wasn't the games. It's just like oh boy they're not they're not doing so hot well it's even stuff that i completely forgot about but i went and dug out uh it's nice to have game informers it's just like this concrete thing no no searching google for certain times and stuff yeah kyle's got the exact article but the part that i forgot about is they had the gameplay reveal of witcher 3 at the xbox one press conference like hey great get great get but then also in the messaging outside of the press conferences they're like yeah, you know, the Xbox One, it, it does need to connect to the internet. It's, uh, it needs to uh, authenticate at a certain period, um, and you actually won't be able to get online in Japan or Poland at launch. And so there's a quote from Zebra right. Red where they called it, quote, a sad situation. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, just so yeah. brutal. Yeah, I, I forgot how bad uh, a lot of a lot of the other surrounding policies about that, and, and as that information trickled in about how the how the Xbox was gonna was gonna work, and the thing that reminded me was Jack Tretton's, you know, ninety second speech where yep. he he just completely obliterated it. Um, I have the quotes if you want. Hey, hit me and do your best, Jack, Jack Trenton. Maybe we can play some Imagine Dragons as you're walking on here. Take it away. I feel yeah. it no. in my bones. <laughs> Uh, but it, so he said, in addition to creating an amazing library of new titles on PlayStation four, which no one applauded for whatsoever for that, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're equally focused on delivering what gamers want most without imposing restrictions or devaluing their PS4 purchases. And that was kind, that was kind of the moment where everyone was like, are they, are they, are they going to do it? Are they going to do the thing that, you know, everyone was saying, this is what you should, this, if they were smart, this is, this is the message they yeah. would go with. Right. Uh, and, he, and so he, he announced, you know, it would, it would support used games with no restrictions, which the crowd lost their minds for, for yeah. like 30 seconds. And he was just standing there smiling like a happy CEO at that point. <laughs> uh, and, and then he said, when a gamer buys a PS4 disc, they have the rights to use that copy of the game. They can trade it in at retail, sell it to another person, lend it to a friend, or keep it forever, which I think is just such smart messaging, even though it it's kind of bullshit at this point. Right. Because, because, you know, both consoles ended up evolving to have so much more of Microsoft's initial plans anyway in terms of, like, you need these updates and... and I'm it's it's hard to imagine go you know like dusting off a disc 20 years from now and putting it into an a vintage PS4 and having that work at that point oh, anymore yeah. but but the that idea of I I get to keep this thing forever and I actually own it is like really worked for fans yeah and i would love I'm, to know how much they tweaked that final speech based on microsoft press uh -huh. conference because there is there's those subtle just little bits here and there in the wording like true consumer true consumer ownership and trust is central to what we do uh and just hey playstation's all about the games just that core message 
yeah. could have been so easily just slipped in just a couple of phrases uh-huh. that they knew that Microsoft was missing. And the crazy thing is, uh, before E3 that year and before even the Xbox One reveal in, God, I looked at the date. So it's early May. Um, we were doing back at Game Reformer the Titanfall cover story trip, which also involved going to Redmond for this like press preview of the Xbox One. So I remember like Jeff Keighley was there, spent all the time with like Matt Leone from Polygon and stuff, um, and kind of got a full breakdown of the Xbox One. Everything but the name. They did not tell us the name, which was <laughs> very bizarre to try and guess because there were rumors at the time that it was called the Xbox Fusion. And so at some point they called it like, oh, the fusion of entertainment and games. And I was like, aha, they're doing it. They're calling it the fusion. No, of course it was the Xbox all in one input was the idea. Um, <laughs> Even though there's two HDMI ports. on the Hey, look, it's not important. Be confusing. <laughs> but it's interesting going back and I looked at some of those quotes uh, in that Game Informer issue where Aaron Greenberg from Microsoft there uh, he says, quote, in many ways, we could have taken an easier path. We could have made a box that focused solely on games, <laughs> but instead, and then he expands on how, you know, it's like we want to make it the definitive central unit within your living room to control yeah, everything. And, so you can switch to they, Price is Right live on TV. Yeah. And they and they absolutely, you know, thought that message was going to kill it with fans. And mm-hmm. and Sony really did have it easy because they got to see the fallout from all of that and they got to hear all the fans yelling exactly what they want. And then Jack Tretton just had to come out on the stage and say that. And his, his last quote kind of ties back to that idea of how much of this did they, did they just kind of slip in there as a response? Because he said, in addition, PlayStation 4 disc-based games won't need to be connected online to play or for any type of authentication. Uh, If you enjoy playing single-player games offline, the PS4 won't require you to check in online periodically, and it won't stop working if you haven't authenticated it within 24 hours. Yes, just being so specific. Which was like breaking news at that point, you know, right before Sony went out there. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I remember there was so much confusion because when we're at that preview press event, they weren't talking about used games. It's like, hey, we're not talking about that right now. We're not talking about that now. Um, And then there were just so many rumors bubbling up and little bits and pieces before the big E3 show. But when we're visiting uh, Redmond Camp, like the campus at at Redmond there for Microsoft, uh, the quote that's in that Game Informer from Don Matrick is, like today... Customers will be able to take their physical games back to a retailer and sell a used game and buy them. That was his official quote on the state of used games. It was like, yeah, we can buy them and sell them, but we can't play them on an Xbox One? Like, that seems to be the definitive part. And him trying to dance around it then was just yeah. so frustrating. And there's so many like last second, like, okay, we have a new version of the statement. Let's go ahead and try and get it in the magazine before it ships out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and a, and a lot of those, a lot of also what Jack Tretton was saying was kind of was addressing all the questions that people had about PS4 because all that information came out from Xbox, and I, I remember one of the big questions was, will the PS4 be able to play single player games offline? Yeah, and because people didn't know at that point, they didn't know what to expect, and and obviously Microsoft was going in a very different decision, and it always it always made me wonder if. If Sony had similar plans that they just hadn't that they hadn't messaged at that point, and you know, like how yeah. how similar would those consoles have been if the Xbox didn't go first and didn't blow up so spectacularly and give them such an easy opening to to market that? 
For sure, because there were so many rumors, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was across both systems that, like, oh, next-gen won't allow used games, and as people who were employed by GameStop by the time, I remember being like, well, okay, this is going to be intense, let's see how this Mm -hmm. goes. Um, So I think the rumors were across both systems, and then just that one thing happened to break in just that way. Um, Kyle, were there other games that stood out to you, watching all those press conferences back-to-back that you forgot about? Um, I mean, there's certainly ones I forgot about. Like watching Xbox is like, oh man, they're spending a lot of time on Rise, a game yep. that I haven't thought about in years. And then they spent a lot of time on Project Spark, which is like another game that I like completely forgot about. And I reviewed that game. Oh, wow. <laughs> I loved in that presentation, uh, they also use so much of the connect voice commands where they say, Project Spark, show me... 4 p.m. to like change the time of day. It's like no one on earth ever said Project Spark, show me 4 p.m. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then also, I mean, th- we there's so little to say about Nintendo that year. Yeah. Which is, is so funny. Like, I think they had, they showed a new Smash Fighter. They had Wind Waker HD. Yeah, they had Wind Waker was- HD, Wonderful 101, uh, Pokemon X and Y, Bayonetta 2, 3D World, Mario Kart 8, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So, did they announce 3D World? Because I don't, I don't know if they even did that at that point. Uh, among the new know. games announced for Wii, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. Okay. Uh, announced for Wii U were uh, the new installments of Super Smash Brothers, 3D World, okay. Mario Kart 8, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. So they had like a quietly like pretty those, good lineup. Yeah, I mean those were exciting, but at this point, you know, it was it was just that time when everyone like the Wii U was pretty much a bust at that point. Yeah, right. And they still had stuff in the works that was going to come out for it, and it was just like. It was just a big shoulder shrug from them. I mean, it it, it all it just like somehow boosted Sony even more just because they were like in the corner doing their own thing and no one really cared. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, going through all those games, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you forget that Sony had like the eight indie games on stage. So just to refresh everybody's memory, because we're nerds, they were Don't Starve, Mercenary Kings, um, Secret Ponchos, Raise the Dead, Outlast, Oddworld, the the first remake, and then Galaxy. Um, hmm. uh, Oh, Octodad also, if I didn't list that one in there, uh, also in that batch. Um, But the crazy thing, too, was during Microsoft's press conference, they mentioned, like, oh, Max, the Curse of Brotherhood. I was one of those, like, oh, that's right. They were pushing that in a big way. a lot of time. Yeah, and so that was from a studio called Press Play that Microsoft actually purchased. And it's one of those things that I haven't thought about forever, but they purchased that studio and then shut it down, I think, in 2016, or so they were working yeah, on that max game came out on a couple other platforms i think it might be on switch at this point it could be but yeah it, yeah a weird thing about that year to bring it back around a deadly premonition is i had like a joint interview with them and then sweary for oh, d4 for d4 yeah like it was in the same room and it was kind of like i was like well I, is there some way i can like you know overlap these to ask similar questions to you guys and no. I was like, no it's just it's impossible i'll ask you some questions i'll ask you some questions <laughs> it's very weird yeah um and then outside of the world of games there's well tangentially related i guess smart glass was still being pushed that was announced the year before microsoft was still pushed that home saying it's the the future of interconnectivity and showing like a bunch of you know just weird things i forgot about like oh you can manage your inventory in witcher 3 with smart glass or they had so many ways to implement that in Rise that uh, no one ever managed to check out. Oh, also real quick, on the game front, I forgot that they pitched Sunset Overdrive as a living game. They're like, oh, Hmm. we're going to take feedback from our community and add new weapons, add new events. Uh, It's going to be a changing, evolving world. And I don't know if I followed that game close enough to know how much they went through on that. 
they did one thing they did, which which was kind of interesting, is they had like a YouTube series because they had oh, that, yes. that guy whose name I don't remember. The who, guy that raps oh, in the song that's in Amplitude. We're making your games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I know exactly who you're talking about, but it was that guy, and he yeah. would host like a weekly Sunset Overdrive like YouTube video, and then that video would air in the game. So like you'd be walking that's around right. and you'd see that week's like Sunset Overdrive video, which was like an interesting idea. So that's um, what they mean for living game is just we're going to have a living guy in the game every once in a while, like Fred Willard from uh, <laughs> from Wally. Yeah, from Wally. Thank you. I don't know why I blanked yeah, on that name. Yeah. Um, but anyways, outside of games, uh, you know, the, the popular wisdom about this era was Microsoft was all in on general entertainment and Sony wasn't. But I mean, I think it's a sign of the times that it wasn't that Microsoft or that Sony was so confident in games that they weren't trying other stuff. I mean, there was so much fear across everybody that the rise of mobile games, uh, PC gaming in general was going to dominate the industry at this point and consoles were going to get weaker and weaker and weaker um, because even Sony was leaning so hard into entertainment. They brought up like the head of Sony Pictures during their E3 press conference to, and also talked about, you know, Sony music. Like they really emphasized like, hey, we're going to be pushing future PlayStation productions eventually became what powers stuff like that. But they were also leaning pretty heavily on that. They talked about Netflix on Sony platforms. And then of course, everybody's favorite red box instant by Verizon. They're very confident in proclaiming that was being brought to. <laughs> um, so it wasn't just them overall, but then it's fun too, that PlayStation was pushing you play. And then it was a big reveal from Microsoft that they had a partnership with Twitch and they're incorporating Twitch into the Xbox One. Mm. And now looking at where Microsoft is at in the evolution of streaming, it's so bizarre to see them at the start of last generation getting quite cozy with Twitch. And now it's all Facebook till the end of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, well, hey, wonderful times. You know, I love... I love video game history, even if it's recent history yeah. and looking at this stuff. And, I think it's really fun to and, just reflect on it. It wasn't that long ago and things were quite different. Yeah. And, and I feel like we should at least mention that, like, as terrible as that was, Microsoft had had fixed most of the problems within a few months, like they or even weeks. I, I can't even remember. But they rolled they rolled back all of those policies that people are super angry about. It was really short. Surprisingly yeah. fast for, you know, such a giant corporation making this big machine that they had so many plans invested in. And then they were like, nope, nope, we're, we're scrapping all that. Don't worry, you can play yeah. it offline, whatever. And this is as anecdotal as it gets, but I remember we made a video at Game Informer with Ben Reeves, where was one of his man on the street videos where we were just talking to people before the consoles launched about what they knew about the Xbox One versus the PlayStation 4. And a surprising number of people brought up like, yeah, I don't know. These are just random people in Minneapolis saying, yeah, I heard that I can't play like used games or old games on my Xbox, so I guess I'll get a PlayStation mm-hmm. 4. Like, just that course correction did not reach as many yeah. people as they desperately could have hoped it would there. Yeah, which is why, again, those headlines of like, this is when Sony won the generation weren't entirely wrong. No, the ball just got rolled in that direction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, the Xbox has made great gains since then and you know i mo- most people who who own an xbox and and play their xbox probably don't even remember half of that i i mean i certainly did not remember how bad a lot of those policies were i obviously remembered like that it won't play used games thing kind of, but i i forgot a lot of the other authentication and like oh yeah you have to check in once every day otherwise it it won't work anymore but it was also that weird thing of 
okay, if you buy a disc version of this game, it'll be tied to your account. So you then can log in on your account on a friend's system and play it even if you don't bring your disc over. There were those little things that they're like, hey, isn't this progressive? Yeah, this is pretty cool. And then that all just went by the yeah. wayside. And I think that also was like you you could still only play it for an hour if you were offline mm. and then it and then it had to check back in. It, it was it was a bunch of weird stuff. But yeah, but some of it actually didn't sound that bad. Because, yeah. because some of it got into a realm of like, well, if you're authenticating, then you can do more different kinds of sharing things, which, which haven't followed through. I mean, I, I guess the ultimate, you know, story with all this is that we all ended up going mostly digital anyway. Yeah. And, and, and now we, most people download the majority of their games and you don't have the kind of sharing things that maybe we would have if Microsoft had kind of implemented some of those features when they when they wanted to like the family sharing plan but yeah i mean to go back to your point earlier i do think it is one of those things that it was just the importance of messaging and how all important that was but in the end it's pretty hollow i mean both systems yeah good luck playing anything offline it was just out of the gate exactly what we wanted to hear so Mm -hmm. good times uh and if you want to learn a little bit more about what is like inside microsoft um and kind of an insider's take on it um we did an interview three weeks ago with shane kim who had phil spencer's role before phil spencer um who was at microsoft since nearly the start of microsoft for 20 years he was there um and he had some very damning thoughts on the launch of the Xbox One, just really interesting to hear from somebody that high up at Microsoft. Um, he never. Feature. What's that? The snap feature. He was a big fan of. He loved the snap feature. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting to hear him talk about. Like, I think Phil Spencer was doing a great job, but boy, somebody really blew it at the launch of the Xbox One. Just tonking around Don Matrick every way he can. But <laughs> it, it's an interesting interview overall, so you can check that out if you're interested in the topic. Um, Serial, you are the world's greatest fighting game player. I am now. No one can prove me wrong at this point. Except for that one time that I beat you at Street Fighter 2, which I will never... I remember that you you lost that round because you said you won one round and then walked away, declaring yourself the winner. Victory by any means, buddy. You're supposedly this expert at Street Fighter 2. I'm going to break it to you, but Hanson, you have to win two rounds. No one... Hey, show me that in the rule book, please. It's okay to just walk away after the first round. All right. Even after you just land one hit, you can walk away and you will be a reigning champion. 100%. Quit immediately. Oh, God. That's why my Rocket League percentage is like 100%. Killing it. Killing it. Anyways, Surreal, the point is that we're trying to get to, if you would let us continue the story, um, is the fighting game community has gone through a lot over the last couple weeks. Um, Seems like it's connected to... um, a lot of discussion about harassment uh, in general in the video game industry, but can you shed some light on this? I'm very in the dark about what's going on here. Yeah, so, I mean, like, a, a weird thing was that, like, last week, I wasn't on the show, but I was planning to do, might get a load of this, about uh, uh, just having a quick highlight of, like, hey, here's what's going to go on with Evo this weekend, and I guess it was fortunate that I ended up not doing that, because that, it got canceled. Evo got canceled, like, real hard. <laughs> Uh, because it emerged that uh, a number of allegations from multiple people about the the event, one of the event's co-founders, Joey Quayer, um, about how he was doing some uh, really like sexually explicit thing. Well, not like it, it's a lot of really bad stuff, but a lot of it involved you know people who were underage, a lot of like you know sexual misconduct, let's say. Um, and so he 
this stuff got revealed and uh, a number of people started pulling out, you know, like the, the main six people who are uh, the developers of them's fighting herds pulled out mm. um, kind of uh, Sonic Fox pulled out, said, I'm, I'm not going to compete. Uh, I think was, sir, was, was nether realm the first domino or did it just kind of all happen? At I think it, like I wasn't on, on Twitter like that night. Cause I was, I, I basically came in after that, but it definitely seemed like, okay, this is bad. Like this, the, I don't know, like they're, they're missing one of the games or whatever. And then at some point it was just like, yeah, Capcom, cause Capcom and, and Ben and Amco were also going to have exhibitions. Um, and so they also pulled out and the, yeah, then, uh, nether realm. So everyone pulled out. And so at some point they just said, yeah, we're canceling it. And, uh, they later released a statement saying like, Hey, we're Joey has been removed. Mr. Wizard, uh, is, is like the handle he goes by he's been removed he's we have severed all ties with him we're slowly working on making sure that we fully uh, remove him from the company and tony cannon who uh works at riot making their fighting game yeah uh, l um and he's also like you know one of the ggpo people so he would he would have been in a pretty good position to kind of run a, an online event said like hey i'm taking over but yeah the event this year's event is basically canceled and uh, in the wake of that, a lot of other allegations started coming out. Uh, a number of like prominent Super Smash Brothers players ended up getting indicted. There was one who was having an, uh, a, again like a, a relationship with an underage player. Uh, Zero, like who who was like who used to be like the best in the previous game, and now was ha- was a streamer was like go by a sponsor. Nairo MK was the the other one I was talking about. He was like go by a sponsor, uh, and so it was just a lot of like this was like the evo thing was like the first domino in like another round of like um allegations and and at this point like there's a whole reddit thread uh that catalogs like something like near i'm still scrolling down as i i'm looking at it there's just a whole list of people from like various scenes a lot of them are smash people and a lot of them are outside of smash but like um yeah it it was it was wild to see just like this momentum of people coming out and uh telling their stories about abuse in that fighting game community to to just continue at this rate which is astonishing to do, to continue to see do you think it's not obviously as simple as oh well it's a problem just for the fighting game community it's a problem for the overall video game industry and I'd argue uh, the world but do you think there's something about the fighting game community where it's more prevalent is it just that it's a tighter community or just an older community like what is uh, it why is there this lightning rod here well i mean to like a lot of these were for events that happened in the past, and I think the thing that separates um, the fighting community from a lot of other spaces is that there is, aside from something like um, Skullgirls or even like Mortal Kombat, there the emphasis is on in-person events, and so and a lot of these people are uh, younger. You know, they don't have as much experience, um, and you know, like they. The fighting game community is decentralized in a lot of ways where it's not like the League of Legends community where Riot runs all the events. Riot is responsible for all the overhead. Riot, yeah. Riot is like the, the, the person who controls it. Same Sort of the same thing with Valve and the International, whereas this is just like, hey, I'm running a tournament. Like I, have, I happen to have a lot of money, so I'm going to throw this money into this tournament and get sponsors and stuff. And like, there's no like universal like, code of conduct of like, hey, if you do this... You don't do it or whatever and because those fighting game events are more open where it's less about like hey if you're coming to a league of legends event you're there to watch other people play league whereas this is a lot more intermingling it's harder to like you know for security to even like look at any the entire event at any one portion so there's just a lot there's just a lot of people hanging out more often it's also i'd and- imagine that thing of yeah a lot of side games like okay uh, we have this tournament for this old fighting game but that's only going to be up in this guy's hotel room everybody be cool here's a lot of booze 
Right. And so like that, that, and in recent years, they'd actually been working on it because there were events at the last Evo about people being roofied at after parties that Evo had officially sponsored. So they were working on like, there was a, a bit of a movement to say like, hey, let's just, let's not have after parties or at least have an alternative for people who actually just want to play games after they watched a bunch of people play games and not go to like a darkened Red Bull after party. Um, and so like this stuff had been building up over the course of years. People had been talking about that stuff, you know, uh, like last year there, there had been a, a, a smaller round of like people coming out and saying like, Hey, this person harassed me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of a bummer. Cause you know, like I, I'd watched some of these people play, like I've watched Nairo play Mortal or not Mortal Kombat, but smash. And just hearing like some of the accusations against them were, it, it's like, you know, these are people that m- they may not be your friends, but like you kind of develop an affinity for one yeah. for more, uh, of these players and so it was a real bummer like there was yeah so like it touched basically every corner of the fighting game community but uh it was a little bit uh, heartening to see like in 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 light of there not being like a centralized body uh a lot of people um basically decided to form kind of their own like let's let's make sure that we are able to unite as a community so for example one of the people accused was uh mike z who was one of the developers of uh, Skullgirls. he was accused of, of some similar like sexual misconduct and just kind of being creepy overall and um members of the Skullgirls community kind of banded together wrote a letter saying like hey he's not gonna be invited to any of the events for Skullgirls, and like we we condemn him in the strongest possible terms things like that and so it was just like heartening statement from like hey the people who like your game are basically telling you to like remove yourself from this scene if you yeah. want it if you want the game that you've made to continue on we don't want you involved right uh, and so like yeah and, and so that's the kind of thing that i want to see more of is is people coming together like for there to be like a code of conduct because a lot of the times it's not clear what is you know right and like what is allowed and what isn't which you know not that this excuses any of the behavior right but part of the thing that people were stress like we're kind of stressing is that like there's you know like because uh, a lot of the time i think a lot of a game scenes are formed out of like this kind of go do anything like you know arcade atmosphere where it's like oh we only give you respect if um if you're a good player and i think a lot of people were able to get a- away with a lot of things because they had earned the respect of like hey i'm the best player here so like i'm untouchable and you know a lot of them mistook that as like i'm able to do whatever i want yeah uh, yeesh um uh, so, uh, real quick though like yeah. uh, i think if you want like a deeper statement like the uh, the Ultra Chen TV podcast, uh, which you know is a fighting game podcast, goes into way more detail than than I could. They have a lot more expertise. They have a lot more familiarity with the scenes. So I think it's it's if you're interested in this stuff at all, it's worthwhile to check out that episode. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, thanks for uh, the full rundown. It's nice to get a summary of, of what's going on. Um, all right, Serial, um, we're gonna swap you out. Anything you'd like to cover before you go? Uh. I was I was gonna do a get a load of this, but I totally forgot that I'm not on the email section. But <laughs> if you want me to just do one real quick, all right, early ah. discussion of get a load of this. All right, I need I'm looking for the URL here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mila Jovovich is in the new Monster Hunter movie. Yeah, uh, and she is playing the main character, uh, and they just you know they showed off a bunch of like. Uh, uh, of new screenshots and stuff, and she's like holding the purple, like or the the twin swords or whatever. Uh, I don't. Are they called screenshots for movies? <laughs> whatever. Uh, Is that what they call them? Sure. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know. Uh, pictures. They're called pictures. Surreal. Uh, 
I don't. Do they do they say, "Hey, here's some new pictures from this latest movie"? Well, no, it's like gameplay, but it's like one frame per second, and then it it just um, kind of stretches out forever. But the, the thing that stood out to me was that there's this Empire Online article where they are they're, they interviewed Mila Jovovich. Uh, uh, I think it's with the director because he's talking to her. Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, and he says, although Mil- uh, Mila's character's not specifically in the game, she chose the same armor and weapons she uses in the game. So there were aspects of her game character that got folded into the movie, re- into the movie representation, and that's why she has the dual blades. Is because, okay. Uh, Mila says, I, experiment- I experimented with different weapons during the game and was able to kill more monsters with those blades. Says Jovovich. I thought they'd look really beautiful in an action sequence. So I really like the idea of like, yeah, we're making a big monster movie and like, you know, you, you could totally just see it as like a soulless like kind of like product of like, hey, we're, you know, we're trying to make more money off it. 100%. But I really like Miller, like Jovovich is like, no, I wanted to see the character that I was in the game. Like she's like basically putting her OC into this like major motion picture, which is like kind of like, like yeah. if I were in that position, I want to do that too. Yeah, Although, that's cool. based on like her armor in that uh, screenshot, uh, it's like, well, maybe she played it for 13 minutes. Like, it seems like pretty starter armor. But yeah. hey, maybe maybe it'll eventually get to her sweet uh, later build, some real end game stuff right. going on there. Uh, great, Serial. We'll see you in the future. Do you want to clap out of here? Ana Diaz, welcome to the Minmax show. Uh, you're in a different location. Yeah, I am. Where are you? A, lo- a location we've learned has orange bubbles. Yeah, wait. Uh, are you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, oh that sounds so delicious. Sweet, mm. sweet orange bubbly. My thirst has somehow been quenched from hundreds of miles away. So what is the deal, Kyle? You just love orange bubbly but above everything else and there's none in Minnesota right now? I can't find it. Not in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. They have. They seem to have every other flavor except orange. I don't know what's going on. The flavors are all so over wait, the place. So there, there's a bunch of other flavors of bubbly? <laughs> Yeah. And you're just holding out for orange bubbly. I just love orange. I mean, Jeff, I know you're not a big Twitter guy, um, but I, I mean, I, I, I DM'd the bubbly corporation to ask where orange bubbly was. And they're like, uh, they, they had to, uh, let's see, to meet demand during the pandemic, we've had to prioritize the production of our products, which has led to a temporary shortage of some bubbly flavors. The good news is our team is working hard to get back to regular manufacturing schedules so we can get all flavors back in I stock. like the idea that you're <laughs> harassing these people online <laughs> instead of just looking for a store outside of the very specific Cottage Grove, Minnesota. Dude, I've been, like, using, like, the Target website and Walmart websites to try to find it. And, like, oh, I can't find okay. it. To, like, I, I'd be willing to drive to, like, Minneapolis or St. Paul, but it's just not an option right now. Yeah. Well, Kyle, Kyle do you know what this means, though? Is that I, I have think... A problem? Well, yes, um, but also I think it's the least popular bubbly, right? Or is it the most be. popular? I'm if they're not it stocking afloat. it, I'm keeping it afloat, man. <laughs> Horrifying. Um, hey, Anna, welcome to the podcast. It's been <laughs> and for the viewers who cannot see, for the listeners, for the podcast feed, our Patreon uh-huh. podcast feed. Uh-huh. Um, I just took a sip of water strategically. Um, yeah, she's dousing herself in it at this point. She's just actually pouring it on the ground just yeah. to spite Kyle. It's diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, Anna, welcome. Uh, you have checked out Hyperscape a little bit. Yeah. The U- Ubisoft Battle Royale that was mm-hmm. a, a big launch. Uh, God, I guess it was last week, last Thursday, right when our podcast launches, when they uh, unveiled that sucker. And so it's in a technical beta state right now. But uh, I've been playing a little bit. Kyle, have you checked out Hyperscape as well? 
Uh, I played three matches last night. Yeah. Perfect. It's uh, PC only. Uh, Anna, what do you think of this thing? You know, it's like compared to a game like Fortnite, this game is, which is a natural comparison because it's a battle royale game sure. that's very playful and kind of animated. Um, it's like so uh, energetic and dynamic. It's moves so fast, um, which honestly I think has its like pluses and minuses, which we could get into a little more. But I mean, if you love jumping and you love platforming, like 3D platforming in a shooter, this is your game. Yeah, with a lot of uh, perks. What do they call them? Hacks. So it's a lot of weird dynamic stuff. Like mm-hmm. the coolest one that I saw is you can turn into a giant ball, like bounce yeah. around. Or like it's cool to have a battle royale where you can use Blink as like one of the upgrades you get as well. But uh, so it's all taking place in this sci fi future city. Um, the game is developed by Montreal as well. Uh, one of the, the biggest and Ubisoft it's not studios. the Animus? Is that? <laughs> I, it's probably going to be revealed to be the Animus at some point. They have to have some sort of cheeky okay. nod in there at some point, right? Um, Which would be fun. I'm all for that. Yeah, but they emphasize verticality overall in this city. And it's interesting you, you point to Fortnite immediately. Maybe that's just so obvious for everybody. But uh, in some of their messaging, I saw that they said, oh, one of our key pillars is we wanted to be rated teen. We wanted to be rated for T for teen. So it's interesting to see them like... As one of the core pillars, we want to reach as many people as possible with this free-to-play battle royale in a very Fortnite style. But Kyle, as somebody who loves jumping and running and flailing and turning into a ball, what do you think of this thing? Um, I think Anna said pluses and minuses, and I, I, it, there's things that like that are are different but aren't necessarily better or worse. Is kind of what was something I ran into. Like, there's no closing circle. But instead, like, little pockets of the city kind of, like, become uninhabitable at a certain point. Yeah. Which is like, oh, that's different. But I don't know if it's, like, better or worse. It's just, like, different. Right. And, uh, and like, I, I will say the thing that I immediately liked was how it's kind of a dense city block. Like, I'm, so many uh, Battle Royales, you're, like, e- even, like, a Warzone maybe is the closest to having more, like, areas with, like, a lot of buildings and tall buildings and stuff. Right. And there's not that many. There's just, like, a few. But this feels like a dense city which is like oh you know i don't know if i've played a battle royale where i'm like walking down alleyways and like down roads and like there's there's not just straight point a to point b shots you kind of got to weave through and so that was that was kind of cool like that was different and in in, in a, like a good way you know yeah it sounds very academic for you though I, about oh, okay they're doing a couple things to differentiate themselves but it's not a matter yeah. of i can't wait to play more hyperscape i mean I, I like that there's no fall damage. The shooting felt pretty good. Everyone has a lot of health. I feel like I was like spending a lot of time shooting people. And yeah, not and there are those revives as well. Yeah, like you were in the game a lot. Like I, the revives are interesting. I did get revived once, and I was like, okay, I see how this works. That's so the cool. revives, it's it's almost like early WoW with the afterlife, where you just have like the ghost version of yourself, then you got to run to one of the revive spots for your buddies to come get you. Then. Yeah, I like I like still being in control. Mm-hmm. Like when you die, like you're still there. You're still like, you know, have the same controls and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, nothing nothing really stood out to me and grabbed me that I was like, I want to keep playing this. I want to explore this. I was just mostly my takeaway was like, this is different. I don't know yeah. if, it's, it's, if it's better or worse, but it's unique. You know. Well, and on that sort of like I've been killed ghost mode where you're wandering around maybe looking for a revive spawn, your team can see you. And I think something that's kind of interesting is if you're in voice chat, you could actually like run around as a ghost and give your teammates heads up. Like, Hey, oh, this person's sure. here. That person's there. It's an interesting 
twist for Battle Royale, but at the same time, there were moments where it was kind of like, oh, I just want to, like, start a new match now. Like, I don't want to keep fighting. Don't make me be a ghost, please. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting for Ubisoft to release it now in this kind of tech beta before this Sunday's event where they have their big Ubisoft forward. I think it's at, God, was it 12 Pacific, I believe, on Sunday. They're having their equivalent of the E3 press conference for Ubisoft, which I'm excited to check out overall. Uh, and maybe they'll just announce that Hyperscape is now public for everybody. They just wanted to have roughly well, does, a week. It does to... have a release date. Oh, it does. I believe so. Unless I think I saw it on Wikipedia. So, I mean, like we're in salt, I okay. guess. That's good but, enough for me. Uh, let's see what it said. It's, it's soon too. It's not far. It is July 12th. It says. Okay. Yeah. So that is for the Ubisoft event then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that would be Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it'll go live after you download your free copy of Watch Dogs 2. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What is the deal with that? Is that for everybody? I think you just have to, like, during that window, I think, when the event is happening, you just have to log into your Uplay account. And I think you just get it for free. That's cool. Permanently, I think. Yeah. I remember Leo Vader ended up really liking that game. Maybe we can talk about it next week or something, uh, along with the other Ubisoft stuff. But yeah, Hyperscape, tough market for sure. It's interesting to see them go for that sci-fi to try and take on Apex Legends a little more directly. It feels... Did you guys, real quick before, because it sounds like, are you wrapping it up for Hyperscape, you think? Is thinking that- about it. Okay, did did you guys run into that thing where like the idea was like people watching the match could change the dynamics of the match? Oh yeah, they choose like a mode or something like low yeah. gravity mode or um, like that. I landed pretty firmly yeah. on the I like this. This oh, is really because like yeah. when l- low gravity happens and you can like take these huge flying leaps from buildings. I was like, okay, that's cool. This is like a this you know little I don't know two minute window of like it feeling a lot different. And then the other one that happened to me was like. Everyone, uh, you could see everyone on your mini map all of a sudden. It just got clicked on. Oh, and wow. so what that did was just like when that happened, it was just like chaos. Like all pretense of like stealth was gone. Like no one was sneaking around because everyone could see everyone. So it really changed the dynamic for that little window. And that I was like, this is cool. This I like. I like this. I think yeah. This is- yeah. And I think how they're trying to differentiate differentiate themselves from other um, battle royales is like they're trying to. Uh, make it for streaming specifically. So I imagine what they'll have is like you can, if you're a large streamer, you have a giant audience, people can go watch your games, then influence the games um, as viewers. So I think for that to fully roll out and see if that sort of pays off or that creates interesting gameplay, it needs to be outside of Close beta. Yeah, it's interesting to see Ubisoft partner with Twitch in this way to have those integrations or even just, you know, they tout the idea of, oh, you can just pull from your followers and they can join your game right away, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting mm-hmm. to be have that be released in the same window that Amazon released Crucible. Uh, and it just obviously we talked about it before it got delisted, basically uh, depublished at this point. Um, it's just weird to see Ubisoft be like, ah, we have the coolest Twitch integration, not that Twitch game, focus on us. But weird times. Um, Jeff Marchiafava. Yeah. Jeffrey John Marchiafava. Aaron. Aaron. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> Why is that hilarious? Yeah, that a silly name. Um, anyways, you've been playing. <laughs> you've been playing the console port of Super Liminal. Yeah. Speaking of weird. Yeah. Um, and Kyle, you played some too. 
Yeah. So I played. Yeah, last night I played a few rounds of Hyperscape, and then I played like 30, 40 minutes of Superliminal on PC, which has been out for a while, but yeah. I, I hadn't touched it yet. So I played it on yeah, PC yeah. a little bit too, and then uh, got too nauseated uh, after about fifteen minutes, and had to stop there because it uh, shifts perspectives a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and so um, the game is basically kind. Of, it, it's in that vein of kind of first-person experimental puzzle games, kind of like uh, Antichamber and The Stanley Parable, which I was huge fans of both. And it, it certainly feels like one it one of those games that doesn't have the most polish, but, it, but the interesting ideas that it's playing around with are something that you've never seen in a game and therefore make it worth checking out. Yeah. And kind of the, the core mechanic that you, you pick up pretty early on is that... Uh, all all the puzzles are built around perspective, and so you are picking up objects kind of in the disembodied, you know, like Half Life style or you, you know Portal Source Engine stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, you've gone of... a really long time without saying Portal, considering how much Portal influences. <laughs> yes, this yeah, yeah. I should have said that Portal was kind of the grandfather of all these kind of games. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, and so, so you you will pick up an object, and it just kind of hovers in front of you. Um, and but that object is kind of at a fixed perspective. But as you move your viewpoint around, uh, you know it stays the same size where you are. But you're basically essentially shifting its position in the room. So once you let go of it, it will it will fall into the room, but be the same size. So so if you look way out and you know you're in a big room and you drop it, it's still you know, the same size, but it's actually huge when you then go and walk up next to it. Or if you walk right up to a wall, it'll change. Yeah, it's a good trippy thing. Yeah. It's interesting that you say it's a new thing. Kyle, what did this game make you think of? Um, uh, F-stop? Yeah, so there we go. Okay. Our favorite thing, the scrapped Valve idea for Portal 2, which was a mystery yeah. for so long. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then Valve just gave access to the Portal 2 early code to this indie developer who then just uploaded a YouTube video showing off exactly what F-Stop was going to be. And Kyle and I interviewed them on MinMax's YouTube channel if you want to see some footage of what this thing was. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, but so kind, of, kind of unconfirmed, but it's like... I mean, basically, it's safe to say it, it was like a Valve idea that has been blown out for Superliminal, right? Sure. I mean... Is that is that fair? Well, I remember in that interview, I asked him about Superliminal, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, there's stuff in Superliminal that is absolutely in Valve source code for the early versions of Portal 2, where it was all about playing with like a dollhouse and the matter of perspective on the dollhouse. But at the same time, if you're playing with perspective in a game and like changing the size of something, like going for a dollhouse doesn't seem like too much of a reach, right? Yeah, yeah, and and it does." It does change a it does change a lot, and it plays with other concepts too. In terms of you know, oh, like good. you're you're changing, you're going through areas that don't have a lot of light, and like Stanley Parable, they, I mean the the whole premise is that you're kind of at like this psychotic sleep center, so you you are essentially like in a lucid dream, and so they will do things where you know you'll turn around and the room will be you'll be in a different room than you were initially, and and they which is an, another thing that has been done in other games and stuff. But I, I was continually surprised. It's not the longest game. You'll you'll get through it in a couple hours. But it has a good progression of always doing different things as you're going on. Yeah, and super liminal. It's out on all consoles now, including Switch, right, Kyle? 
That's correct. Yeah. Cool. I might awesome. jump over there and, and finish it because I, I liked what I played a lot uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Um, Jeff, you also want to talk about board games. Um, yeah, we, we can talk about board games. Yeah, we can have an update from a couple weeks ago where you were kind of running down your favorite 1v1 board games. Um, yeah. And then I went over to your house and had a big Santa sack and you threw all of your 1v1 games into the bag. And I've been playing them throughout the last couple of weeks. And then actually, I should let you know, uh, Ben Reeves actually borrowed a lot of them for me. So now they're basically scattered to the I wind know. and you'll they're, never see them again. Yes, I'm, I'm the Johnny Appleseed of board games in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are two that rise to the top for me. Uh, Santorini, which yeah. is technically up to four players, but really yeah. fun simple strategy game about placing three layers of a building and trying to have your player climb to the top of the building. So it's all, you know, if you like games like chess, light strategy, yeah. uh, it seems like a, a great fit. I had a lot of fun with that thing. Yeah, and the and the great thing about that one is that you have a special power that's unique to you every time you play, and there's it comes with a ton. I don't know how many you, you played with, or got uh, to experiment Zero, with. because I'm an idiot, and I saw that and said, that's some expansion stuff. I can't okay. bother with that. No, that's that's the whole focus of the game. <laughs> what? But it's yeah. optional. Yeah, I and and it's it's a it's a fine game on its own with without those things. Like like it it is a it is a perfectly fine abstract abstract strategy game. But if you you really should play play multiple matches in a row where then you're both going through these different powers because that's that's where the real meat of the game is and that that's when it gets really interesting because every time it's like okay well this time you know I can move two spaces instead of one which doesn't sound like it makes a big difference yeah but it then makes a huge difference because the entire strategy of the game changes at that point okay gotcha um, and then our so other you favorite get that one back from Reeves and try okay it again. all right we'll do it right this time sir um, and then also enjoyed playing Mr. Jack which was that one v one game where one of you is a detective trying to figure out who is Jack the Ripper in New York City, and Jack the Ripper is going around hurting people. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Kyle, you got that one too. Have you got a chance to play that one? Yeah, yeah. My wife and I played a bit, and and with uh, Claire too. Uh, Claire kind of uh, w- she understood the rules and like because it is it is kind of a complicated game. Yeah, at least it's a li- it's a little more complicated. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I, th- I, I think I said it before. Like you pitching it as like two player clue was like, oh yeah, all I needed, you know, which is like, yeah, that's that's basically what it is. Yeah, so. it, I found it really tough on both ends. To, it seems like there's a lot of wiggle room for getting Jack the Ripper out of New York City. It's just one of those things where like I think I'm playing a pretty good defense here, and then someone's like, oh nope, then Jack the Ripper moves here, and then they're gone before you can yeah. ever figure out who they are. It just seems like it's kind yeah. of anticlimactic at the end. Yeah, it's. I, I think it it is a more complicated game of, out of the ones that I've mentioned before, and I think there's a higher learning curve there. Where yeah. I think you both people really need to play a bunch. I think and until it, it those you know kind of things can even out. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very intense game. You know, regardless of which side you're on, it's like oh god you know like they are so close to getting me or they are so close to escaping and just trying to play it cool is is a fun twist yeah kyle did you explain to your daughter who jack the ripper is yeah she's into that stuff stuff? she loves it man no i don't know i mean it's she's a historical figure it's he's he was a murderer (laughs) is that what you said (laughs) this is an old guy that murdered a lot of people yeah she's like cool 
Oh. Love it, Dad. All right. I don't remember exactly what I said, but yeah, I'm not going to like pretend. Oh, this he was around giving gifts and then people would leave. I <laughs> well, see. I played and my nephew was watching us play. And so we came up with, oh, yeah, this guy's known. He ripped up everybody's Pokemon cards. That's that's what he's mm. known for. And hey, it worked. Turns out you can lie to kids. I remember what you want. It's totally fine. Oh, yeah, there don't you believe go. whatever you say. They're trust you. It's just so stupid. <laughs> Anyways, uh, other board games, Jeff, you said there's something else you wanted to mention that yeah, you've been playing? Yeah, I got a couple more recommendations, um, which someone, I think it was in an episode of MinFact, someone had asked if I had played any oh, yeah. recent games, and I totally blanked on it at the time, but I played some more, and I've remembered some more since then. Uh, so I got three games that are all built around the drafting mechanic, which... Again, if you're not super into board games, it's it's the idea of you have a bunch of cards or some other resource, and you're taking turns getting one at a time and building a strategy out of that while you're, it's this shared resource that everyone's pulling from. Uh, and so the first one is called Nova Luna, which is an abstract uh, tile drafting game from Stronghold Games. Um, and this one has already been nominated for the Spiel des Jahres, which is the big German Game of the Year um, competition. And and the thing about that is they they kind of pick lighter games, you know, like lighter family games that have a, a much broader appeal. And this is this is definitely one of those types of games where you are essentially you're taking turns getting these tiles that are one of four different colors. Uh, but each tile kind of gives you a couple different ways that you can score for configurations of those tiles in the larger, you know, little abstract map that you're building out. Huh. And it's Azul? Uh, it's, it, it's not Azul, but it's it's kind of like that in, in kind of abstracting down some very, very basic shapes that you're, that you're then trying to put in a very specific configuration. Mm. And with with Azul, it's kind of a more standardized format, at least when you, you play the main way. But this one, you're, you can really just puzzle them out however is going to hopefully help you the most. But it's, it's also kind of a racing game, which is nice, where you're not, it's not like, oh, this one will score me three points or this one will score me one point. You, you just have a set number of these tokens that you are then putting out on each tile as you complete the objectives for them. And whoever finishes first and runs out of tokens is the winner. And so it's, it, is, it is very simple, but it still gives you a lot of choices and things to think about as you're doing it. Do you know when they announced the Spiel des Jahres Game of the Year winner? Uh, I don't. Okay. It it must be coming up because the the nominations just came out recently. Although I don't know how that how it's going to work this year either because I don't know if it's normally tied to a convention or anything. So I don't know if if the time frame will have changed for when they announce the winners. But, okay. But that game but was called that, Nova Luna. Nova Luna. Yes. Uh, the second one may be a little more familiar. It is Sushi Roll, which is by Game Right, uh, and it is basically it is a dice drafting game, and it is the the dice version of Sushi Go, which is which basically did the same thing with cards. And at, at first, I was skeptical of this one because I feel like one of the major draws of Sushi Go is you have these adorable cards with these cute little anthropomorphized sushi on them. Yeah, 
and you you I didn't think you would get the same the same feeling from dice, but it turns out, you know, like the little icons of sushi guys are still pretty cute too. But what makes this one interesting is that so you are you're essentially rolling a handful of dice, everyone's rolling a handful of dice, you'll take one and then you'll pass the dice to the next person, but they will re-roll them again uh, before they choose their next one. But what, what makes it interesting is that it's open information where you can see what people, which dice, which die people are taking on their turn, and you'll be able to see which, which dice are coming to you next because each, each color determines what, you know, different types of sushi are on them. Okay. So you basically just have a lot more information as you are choosing which ones you want to go for and which ones, you know, you have special abilities that will let you re-roll dice and things like that. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so, uh, you know, like with Sushi Go, it's really kind of, you're getting a handful of cards and you're passing them along. And then at the very end of a round, you're saying, okay, well, that's what that person was going for. Maybe I should have changed my strategy for the next round or whatever. But this this time, it's every single turn you have new information to kind of take into account. Gotcha. Sushi roll. And then what is the last yes. game? The last one is a... It's a dinosaur drafting game. This is oh just for gosh. you, Hanson. Oh my uh, god! This one's called Draftosaurus, and basically, <laughs> so you are you have your own little dinosaur park, uh, which oh. which is just kind of this this little map that you that you are then drawing dinosaurs out of a bag, little wooden dinosaurs that are all just super cool, uh, and you are you are keeping one each turn, and then you are passing your handful of dinosaurs to the next person, uh, and basically which which dinosaurs you take and which sections of your little dinosaur Jurassic Park that you're putting them into will score them in different ways. Is this like Zuloretto? Have you played that? Were you building on a zoo? Uh, it, it's, it, is a, it is a little bit. That's, a, that's kind of a fair con- comparison. It is a lighter game, and I believe this one was also nominated for the Spiel des Jahres. Too. Oh, really? But it is a much friendlier family game. You know, it's Zuloretto. I think there's there's a lot more to think about in the in the way that you're drafting the tiles in that game is a little right. different. You just get a handful of very colorful, you know, like very intricate little dinosaurs and you choose one and you you kind of score them in a similar way to sushi go. Oh cool. Great. Do you want to um, squeeze those tabletop games out of your mail slot and then I'll pick them up uh, later tonight? Yeah. Great. All right. This works out well. We'll see where they end up. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Um, Kyle. Yes. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, pulling from the MinMax Discord uh, some big lists, some hive mind ideas. We've done top 3D platformers. We did top 10 cyborgs last week. uh, And the mods are very smart, said, hey, what if you did a set number of things so there's not this huge debate about what counts as a 3D platformer or what counts as a cyborg? Yeah, just and eliminate the Shadow, is Shadow of the Colossus as a platformer. Debate, that's right, because right? it's outrageous yeah. and I will not stand for it. Um, and so they came up with, hey, the Discord's always arguing about this in a positive way. Anyway, let's just do top 10 Marvel films. Or I guess all Marvel films, but then everybody in the Discord is voting on it and ranking their Marvel films. And so now officially we're going to have the MinMax Discord community list scientifically of the top 10 Marvel movies ever made. That's right. I'm very excited yeah. to hear this. That's impressive. Okay, so yeah, just as you set up, all 23 films were up for grabs. Yes. Including the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, which is always like the asterisk, okay. I feel like, Oof. when it comes to talking about Marvel movies. And uh, Roland from the community said that this 
this has been like the strongest poll so far. They had almost a hundred responses. Okay, great. Poll. Uh, so that's cool. Okay, number ten is Black Panther. Number ten. That's lower yep. than I expected. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Anna's ready for number nine with her headphones. Uh-oh. Uh oh. It's oh, no. Iron Man. <laughs> Wait, are those Iron Man headphones? No, I don't know, but they. Are, <laughs> I am borrowing them from my sixteen-year-old brother. <laughs> those are Iron Man. They're, they're yeah, not, they're like colors. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And that's number yeah, nine, that's the original Iron Man. Okay. The first, the original first one. Okay. Do you guys like that movie? Yeah. It's one that I uh, saw once and was like, ah, it's fine. But I hear every episode of Kevin Smith's podcast, he talks about how it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Like, am I missing something? Do I need to go back to that movie? I mean, it's undeniably important. Of it course. It changed, like, the Cinema film industry. history, no doubt about but, it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of had a similar reaction. I went and saw it in theaters. I was like, that seemed all right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I... Like, I I feel like you get the best, the best kind of version of that character just as, you know, like the 20 minutes or whatever that you get with him in an Avengers movie. Or the best Iron Man, Iron Man 3, which I hope is higher up the list, Kyle. Mm, sorry, I don't want to oh, disappoint you already. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Number eight. Number eight is The Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Also I, low. Wow. I thought I thought it would be higher, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Number seven, Captain America: Civil War. Okay, okay. basically an Avengers movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So number six, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Love it. You know, so what? <laughs> what the other ones? It's Homecoming, and what's the other Far subtitle? From Home. I think I like Far From Home more. Really? Yeah, I watched it recently, and I was like, I really like this. I don't know. I I, I think I just like uh, Gyllenhaal's character a lot, and I think he's like more fun i don't know i think i just like that one more and imagine you're a big fan of jb smooth in that movie he's pretty funny in the second one yeah yeah um also i feel like man not to jump dive into that movie but i feel like there's a nice line in the middle of that movie where things change in a fun way yeah um and okay so number five captain america the winter soldier okay yes i mean great movie i'm surprised that it has that much uh cachet to be above civil war which is so much more it's a much more fun movie overall but okay, it's a smart community. Got to give it to them. From the brothers, right? The Russo brothers. Yes. Was that their first? Yep. That was the first one they did, right? Yeah. Yep. Unless you count Yumi and Dupree, which some people still consider canonical to Captain America's story. Yeah. I mean, most of the TV show community, I think, also counts as Marvel canon. That's right? true. <laughs> uh, okay. Number four, Avengers Infinity War. Okay. Correct. Which, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I. I, I think I've talked to you about this before, Hanson. I'm a big fan of like night is darkest before the dawn kind of stories. Yeah. Like I like, I like downer endings. <laughs> so, That's a bit of a downer. Island. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised the community can remember, can split the Avengers up and remember each one distinctly. How can you me, not? It is, it is just one full story that you say infinity war. I say, yeah, okay. That, Come it, on. It it's not hard. Power, power stones in there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Dreamcast Power Stones. We all remember that. Yeah. Um, I like this top three. I'm a fan of this. Um, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, sure. Which is man, probably maybe my favorite. I don't know. Um, number two, Thor Ragnarok. Wow. Okay. Uh, right. This list is endorsed now. I'm, it's good. I'm happy with a two on that one. <laughs> I think I think I've watched Thor Ragnarok more than any other yes, movie on here. Because it is so fun. It's great. It's the best. Yeah. And then number one. Avengers Endgame. Oh, wow. Okay. 
which is like fair, you know, like it's hard to argue against that being number one, even though as much as I love Guardians and Thor personally. Like, yeah, because you know? it, it's so fun. But also you forget and I'm insisting that you forget uh, like the first hour of that movie is so bizarre. I, I remember just seeing that in the theater and just it is so somber and serious and beautifully slow in a way it's i love everything about those two movies back to back and how bold and different they are and it, endgame is just a, a wonderful wonderful film yeah i mean i i like this list i think they did good i mean that top three i think is super solid like for sure yeah so Thor- good job min max community you guys know what you're talking about great job and community thanks for wearing the headphones on it those those yeah i actually yeah i planned that so <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Thor is a little bit high, but other than that, great job in Max community. Ragnarok? We're really yeah. proud yeah. of everything here. Right, Rock should be number one. Okay, let's not get nuts here. Um, <laughs> hey, Jeff Markyfava, do you know how this whole thing operates? Well, not bubbly orange. Correct. Oh, now it does. It counts. It's back again. Yeah. And uh, Patreon also. And Patreon. Folks, go to patreon.com slash max 2 ends and support us at any tier. Supporting us at any tier gets you access to the Discord. You can also submit comments, questions, words of wisdom for the MinMax Show podcast, and you can potentially win question of the week, um, or also the deepest dive as we're going through The Last of Us Part 2 right now. But then we're going to be choosing some interesting deepest dives for the future as well, which we can get into in the near future. Um, but... We should thank people for checking out um, a recent interview that we just posted on the YouTube channel and also in the podcast feed for Patreon supporters with Andy McNamara, uh, our former boss. Not Anna's old boss, but still close enough. Um, But uh, the editor-in-chief of Game Informer, who's leaving after 29 years, we talked about it on the show a fair bit uh, last week, and so it was interesting to kind of unpack his uh, big move out to L.A. uh, and this crazy transition in his life, what it's like to leave after working for a job for 29 years. So it's an interesting chat. You can check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, Also, we should plug that Anna, this Thursday at 6 p.m. Central on MinMax's Twitch channel, which everyone should follow. That'd be great. What is happening? I'll be hosting the second episode of Refreshed. This week's episode is with Shannon Liao, and we're going to be talking Neopets. I'm really excited. It Neopets is one of those things that I thought I knew what it was. I was a little bit too old for it. It's like, Neopets, I think I got it. That's like a Digimon thing, and I love Digimon. And then I realized, no, I didn't really have a clue of what Neopets is. So much like your first episode on K-pop, I'm looking forward to watching this or listening to this just to learn everything about this. Like, How did you go about finding a Neopets expert? Um, well, so it just so happens that like the games reporters that I'm around or like that I, you know, connect with are around my age. And so like we're in the right age group to have grown up playing Neopets. So it's just something that's more on our radar. And, um, like I actually was joking with one of my friends at the Verge from this because like she works with the games editor who's like 10 years older and like his whole thing is, um, he loves to cover Fortnite. We're like, what about Neopets? <laughs> He's like, what is Neopets? Um, but yeah, so I just, all my, like all the people I know are right around are obsessed with Neopets. So it wasn't that hard. Um, <laughs> and it's like a Tamagotchi thing? No, it's, it's really a lot. So um, Neopets actually, there's like a couple important things about it. One, the McDonald's toys. <laughs> Um, and that craze. Uh, but the other thing is that actually a lot of young 
people learned how to code using Neopets. So you could like design your own websites. It was like a really fleshed out community that was like much more than the game. Um, It was one of the first online games to have like a whole stock market system similar to Animal Crossing stock market. Um, So there is like some Tamagotchi take care of your pet aspects, but you can level them up and battle them. It's like if you put Animal Crossing and early Tumblr and uh, Digimon all into one community. That sounds fantastic. So Refresh, it'll be streaming live and people can jump in the chat and ask questions along the way. That's going to be on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash show, And then it'll be up on YouTube, our YouTube channel the next day. And then also as a podcast in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. So you can check that out there. Also, in a separate podcast feed, the Mintrax podcast feed, we should mention that last week, uh, we aired a big special all about Hamilton. I finally forced Matt Helgeson to listen to Hamilton, and he's he's a big hip-hop guy, but he's not a musical guy at all. So it was a little bit like uh, pulling teeth, but he listened to it. We got Matt Helgeson's review, and we were joined by Broadway's Alex Boniello, uh, who's won a Tony, for Christ's sake. So it was fun to unpack Hamilton uh, with him there, kind of in honor of the Disney Plus version of Hamilton jumping out there. So if you're looking for a good companion podcast after you watch the Disney Plus version of Hamilton, you can check out Mintrax. Uh, Kyle, did you watch uh, Hamilton? Did everybody watch Hamilton at this point? Hell yeah, I watched Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Anna, I guess you were going in fresh too, right? Yeah, yep. What'd you think? First time. Um, got cajoled into it. And um, Wait, did you ask me what I thought? Yeah. I was just... It was really long. <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, like, duh, it's like a musical. But, like, it's like an Avengers-length musical. Oh, yeah. like, well, I mean, you got the 10-minute intermission, so I don't understand what you're... Or you have that one-minute intermission. One, one minute. One minute. I, know, I was like, I need a longer intermission. <laughs> like, excuse me. <laughs> Even though I can pause this at any point. Um, it's fun. It's... Okay, um, there we go. I feel like it's... Yeah. I enjoyed reading about it after, so... I, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, there's a part of me that's like, man, I hope they do end up releasing this in theaters. Just for like mm. the sound system alone, I can see mm-hmm. them releasing it every July fourth, and I, I bet if they mm-hmm. released it next July fourth, they could still make a hundred million dollars with this. Don't you think? Yeah. Kyle? Don't you want to see it in a big theater too? Yeah, I'd want to go. I, I could also take my kid, and she she couldn't uh, give up after two songs and be like, "Can I go do something else?" Like, <laughs> oh you, damn it! You, you have to sit here, Kyle. We uh, both man. I, so I think we're in the same boat. You and I listen to the soundtrack a lot. Yeah. Right. And we both saw it live. Yep. But man, I the staging of the the, the filming of the King George stuff in the Disney Plus version. Just how static it is, yeah. It's so, I don't think he blinks the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I have gone back and watched just those sequences standalone a couple times because it's like, it's 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 funny when you listen to it. It was funny live, yeah. but getting the camera in his face, his weird to like see his face. expression, yeah. oh, it's so good. It's so hilarious. Like That was like the big takeaway for me. I was like, I knew this, was, this part was going to be funny, but this part, this is like flooring me right now. <laughs> That's awesome. I had, I loved it overall. Uh, I maybe was more into this version than I was even seeing it live. Uh, maybe I could just focus on it more or something along those lines. But I did have a, a terrible thought going through it, Kyle, and Chris, we had it too, about having not seen, obviously, the original run on Broadway. There was a little bit of that kind of does feel like Quentin Tarantino putting himself in one of his movies. Like, love Lin-Manuel, no doubt about it. But there are certain moments where it's like, I just don't think he's on the same on the same tier, in the same tier as so many of the other actors on the stage. And I, it's 
distracting me. Um, I disagree. Okay. But it, it's funny because I, I had an almost like a different reaction that's kind of on the same wavelength where it was like, listen to it a lot. It feels like a Hamilton story. Saw it live. Still felt like a Hamilton story. But I've watched it like twice on Disney Plus now. And like it now is feeling like way more like an Aaron Burr story to well, me. And like he's yeah. in like and in that sense, like it's like Lin-Manuel feels backseat to me watching it on Disney plus in, in the right way in like the appropriate way for that story. Yeah. Uh, I think I yeah. had that same thing too, where I forgot that in the stage version, I mean, Aaron Burr is out there so much. Cause there's so many times we're even listening to the soundtrack. You forget that Aaron Burr is the narrator for so many of these moments throughout the songs where it's just like, oh, I don't know. But then when he's front and center on the stage, it is so much more focused around him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I'm it's, sure it's, it's, it's weird to watch it and have like a different, like, I feel like, Seeing it on stage, listening to it, and watching on Disney Plus, I've had like three distinct versions of the of, right. the of the musical, which is awesome. Like, I, it's 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 telling that it's able to do that for me. Yeah. You know? And what are you going to think about the version that Jeffem records and sends to you after this show? Um, I can't wait. I really want to hear <laughs> um, the room where it happened through Jeffem's perspective. That's that's a favorite. This of mine, is the so. room. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> right here. This is where it happens. Guns and ships from Jeffem is going to be awesome. Seriously, Jeffem. Um, what would that Patreon goal have to be to have you sing every line in Hamilton? $10 million, and it would have to all go to me. <laughs> all right, you heard the man. Here we go. <laughs> hey, anyway, speaking of Patreon, we should thank more people. Uh, Paul over here from the Bandbox. He's a new supporter for the MinMax show. He says the Bandbox has been the original mystery subscription box with an authentic celebrity autograph in every single box for five years. And now we're excited to announce to the MinMax community our new Gamer Box. In this monthly box, you'll receive a collection of items inspired by your favorite gaming franchises along with a guaranteed autograph from established gaming actors or creators. For the first two boxes, we've gone big, guaranteeing an autographed Funko Pop in each box. Box number one is still in pre-order until July 15th with items inspired by God of War, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Punch-Out, Injustice 2, plus a mystery game. So hurry up and order yours at thebambox.com. We cap the boxes at 2500 each, and they're going fast. Also, we're on Twitter at thebambox. Thanks for your support, Bambox. And beating down Brian here, uh, throwing away his plugs. He says, hey, I always thought there was something fascinating about capturing someone's slow descent into madness on camera. And now you can watch it happen live by heading to twitch.tv slash Adam Walker Texas Ranger. Adam <laughs> has, for some reason, decided to play through the entirety of Sonic 2006, and we should all support him in this challenging time. Seriously, though, Adam's a stand-up guy, so drop him a follow and support a fellow cohort. Thank you so much for being uh, done, Brian. Awesome. Adam, I'm I don't know if you're watching this. I'm going to look right into the camera here. You don't have to do this. Interesting. No one's making you play Sonic Adventure 2006. I, I was in a position where I was made to play it, and it was miserable. <laughs> and it's long. <laughs> it's long. It's what, like 30 hours or something insane? Uh, it's like three bad 30, Sonic games <laughs> jammed into one. 30-hour Sonic game? Hey, let's let's look at it. How long uh, to beat Sonic 2006? I know we just talked about this, I think, on the mid right? Oh, I think it's like three eight-hour campaigns. Main story is sixteen hours, <laughs> so I was I was wrong. But I think oh, I was going off of. So it just felt twice as long. That's okay, right. That's cool, right. Cool. And I think you know maybe for the Game Informer Super Replay it was longer because people weren't as focused as they maybe should be on the game. But it happens. Um, anyways, also thanks to I am Eight Bit for being a huge supporter of MinMax overall. Uh, they want folks to know that they can head to I am Eight Bit store and get the Outer Wilds vinyl soundtrack. It's a very cool vinyl soundtrack, uh, cloth wrapped with tip-on gatefold jacket. The music's by Andrew Pralow and the Adam. 
Uh, the album art is by Ian Jacobson, mastered for vinyl by Townsend Mastering. Um, a lot of people love Outer Wilds. It's one of those games you forget how good that soundtrack is, and you go back and just listen to the main thing theme again on YouTube, and it's like, oh, that's right, Outer Wilds, like soundtrack rules. Um, so you can check that out, and as with anything on IM 8-Bit Store, you can enter the promo code MINMAX and get 10% off. So go support them, because they've been supporting MinMax for a long time in a big way by shipping out every week a prize to somebody from this community. If you support us at any tier, you can leave a comment question for us to read on the show. And then we choose our favorite every single week with the question of the week and I am 8-Bit. We'll ship them out something very nice um, this week. Let's see. Something let's good. Don't go get something lame. With the Monument Valley vinyl soundtrack. Hmm. Also a fantastic soundtrack. Awesome. I'll open that up later, and then they'll ship out a different version that I don't open up. But anyways, community questions. Let's get to it here. Um, first question is from Osama Abu Halal, who just says, give us the Leo Vader. Thank you. Uh, next week, Osama. <laughs> no, uh, they gave us the Leo Vader. That's a great way to put it. That's true. Uh, Jonathan Anderson writes in and says, is Leo coming to MinMax the highlight of all of your 2020s as well? <laughs> Uh, we'll say yes. We'll say yes. Um, in all seriousness, though, what's a game that you love that, for whatever reason, didn't get you back for the DLC? I put 50 hours into Jurassic World Evolution because of the quarantine, and now I'm finding it very difficult to go back and do the additional missions now that I can afford them. Yeah, we covered those that DLC on the show, that weird return to Jurassic Park DLC where they got all the actors back, which is interesting, but I definitely hit that wall, too, of, like, I don't know if I want to go through every mission here. It, it's charming to hear the voices again. But anyways, games that you love, but DLC you didn't ever check out. What jumps out for folks? Bioshock Infinite. Oh. oh, go ahead. I said Bioshock Infinite. Oh, really? Even So yeah. that whole Burial at Sea thing you've never played? That's why I bought the Switch version. To finally go and play that. Oh, that's fascinating. So you're going to wait until you finish Infinite and then go back to it? No, you can just jump right to that. I'm not going to replay Infinite. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. I had a weird experience <laughs> where I played that DLC, but I hadn't played the original Bioshock at that point. And so it was very oh, weird to have like the big Return to Rapture DLC. And it was like, obviously, I was very confused. And I think 90% of the impact of that DLC was lost on me, but it's still really cool structurally. Yeah. All right, I don't know. Um, Anna, one jumped out for you? Yeah, I'm about to commit personal brand blas- blasphemy, but um, I tried and have not been able to get through the new Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. Um, oh, yeah, oh no. I put a lot of hours into original Sword and Shield, and for whatever reason, it's just not hidden, hidden the spot right now. Is it so uh, horrible? Is it one of those realizations of maybe the Pokemon formula isn't exactly as exciting as I had hoped it would be? Or is there something specific about that DLC that just is not grabbing you? I think, I mean, we talked about this on another episode, like how to improve turn-based tactics in RPGs or Mm turn-based combat. And I think it is like the formula is starting to feel a little tired and there are, there is so much like cool new IP from indies that sort of like, okay, I'm ready to like get you know, try new things. So, and that said, I have a ginormous backlog. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I also have a confession to make, uh, which is that I never got around to playing the Left Behind DLC for the last. Really? Of Us. Yeah, and it, it was one I wanted, 
And the reason that, the reason I never did, I didn't when it first came out, but then I always intended to go back and play through The Last of Us again before I played it and ran mm. out of time and just never did it. Man, I went back and watched a summary of it. We almost did it for part of the deepest dive. We had a community poll where we had that up there, and but yeah. what remains of Edith Finch ended up winning. Um, but I completely forgot going back and looking at a summary of that. In my memory, it's just a prequel. And I forgot that half of that DLC is also taking place in the middle of Last of Us Part 1. It's a complete over, overlooked that part. Um, are you going to go back and play it after you finish Part 2 then, Jeff? So, yeah. Okay. Did you play the Red Dead Redemption 2 DLC where it's like the back uh, 70% uh, of the game? the next question? Okay, we, anyways, yeah. Uh, Andrew Baker <laughs> says, Hey, MinMaxers, with The Last of Us 2 clocking in at close to 30 hours, I've been loving it. Why isn't there more long-form, linear, single-player games? I feel like apart from Naughty Dog, there's no one else doing it. I like these games. I feel like these games are the ones that affect me the most with its experience. What are your thoughts on that? Long-form, single-player, linear is such an interesting distinction. Like like non-open world? Non-open world. I mean, it's it's a financial thing right i mean like it's easier to pitch a game that people are going to continuously play like give me a lot of money to make this game that people are going to play for years versus give me a lot of money to make this game that people will play for a few weeks so it needs to either be a hundred hours or 15 hours i mean i yeah which i don't love i would love to see more stuff like last of us i mean my sweet spot's around 15 or 20 yeah you know but um i yeah i I wish more were willing to invest in those kind of experiences like the half-life twos you know, of the world. Right. Well, I guess I mean, Half-Life Alex is an interesting. Another example of, of surprisingly big project compared to maybe what we thought it was going to be overall, but yeah, that's linear. Yeah. It's got that aspect. I mean, uh, yeah, the linear thing is throwing me for a loop. Cause a part of me thinks like, well, what about something like, you know, a mass effect one, even would that count? Or I guess just the original mass effect trilogy, like your definition of linear gets a little bit wonky, yeah. you know, but that might fall into that camp of it's not, open world there's just some open areas like the persona series too long linear ish i guess that's a good point yeah yeah rpgs i guess yeah yeah Yeah, right like that's my yeah i was i hear that and i kind of think aren't there a lot of games that do that but yeah um, yeah i think maybe maybe he just wants stuff maybe even outside of rpgs but yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting i mean yeah easy answer is it's very rare because the idea of somebody like Sony funding somebody like Naughty Dog with their ambition for The Last of Us Part Two is absurd. It's yeah. too ambitious you, of a game. And the fact that they're like, okay, here's, we'll open up the checkbook is mind boggling. Yeah, the the developer has to be insane enough to, to make a game that long. And then they also have to find a publisher that's insane enough to fund it for that long too. Yeah, for sure. Charles Davis writes in and says, which celebrity would you want as your best friend and why? And what shenanigans might you get up to? <laughs> uh, ben Schwartz. He seems so fun. And he likes video games. Do you think, okay, if it was like seriously your parents lining up a play date between you and Ben Schwartz, like, all right, Kyle, he'll be over at 7 p.m., what would you do? Play video games. What would you have on the docket, though? Um, well, I'd learn to play a basketball game to try to impress him because I know he's a big basketball fan. Okay, so like you'd boot uh, up like the NBA Street reboot or something? Yeah, but then I'd want us to play like a single player game together, you know? 
Oh. Like passing the controller. Like we're playing a from software game. That's very intimate. Yeah. <laughs> Just one candle lit. Um, but I, I think you'd be better off playing an old janky game with him. Mm. You know? Like, oh, yeah, because he's a big NES guy, right? Well, even just something, you know, from that sweet spot of janky-ass PlayStation 1. You know, booting mm, up Rascal yeah. with him and passing the controller on that and having something to make jokes about. Whereas, like, from software, how many jokes can you make about a dragon and a sword, you know? Come on. It's a Blasto is what we're going to do. Yes, go for Blasto, otherwise known as the funniest yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, this is just an excuse to put out in the world an open invitation for him to just come on and talk about video games at some point hopefully <laughs> i tried i tried to get him to talk about chrono trigger at least on twitter and he responded yeah. to me but yeah not, not gonna happen i it's so funny that charles wrote in about this and it's funny that his name is charles too because i had a weird moment where i was listening to the fresh air interview this week with patrick stewart and i thought just i just started getting off my head about what if i just hung out with patrick stewart what would that be like? I like him fine. I'm not a big Patrick Stewart fan, but like, could I hang out with this dude? And I don't think I could. He's, he's clearly smarter than me, but I just don't know what we would do to really bond. But I would like to try, you know? Well, I mean, the, according to the question, though, he's already your best friend. So it's, yeah. it's not like you have to win him over or anything. Oh. In this fantasy world, you're already just best buddies. Oh. You grew up on the same street. And uh, you saw each other all the time. You transcend any like for some reason. Hey, what's up, Pat? Can you imagine getting calls from Patrick Stewart? <laughs> no, I bet he's a terrible texter. Well, in yeah. this, in that case, <laughs> I didn't think about it. I'm guessing a lot of people would just go for then like a Jeff Bezos or somebody. Wouldn't you just want like the richest friend imaginable and get uh, free? No, I'd want someone cool that I actually wanted to spend time with. Who's the richest, coolest person, do you think? Um, ben Schwartz. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, maybe this wouldn't this wouldn't be my first pick, but I bet Bill Gates would be interesting. Like he's an interesting person that I would want to actually spend time with and get to pick his brain and. Yeah, but how many how many dinners can you have talking about malaria before you're like next, please? Sure. Yeah. How, how do you solve major global problems? Uh-huh. I don't, that would I just, be a pain. I just kind of wanted to play these from software games, sir. I'm not too interested. <laughs> yeah. uh, Anna, did somebody stand up for you? Uh, my running joke is that if I could meet any celebrity, I'd meet Frankie Jonas, who is the youngest Jonas brother and very overlooked. That's <laughs> a public figure what's his deal what's so appealing about this young <laughs> lad know, just that like they went and made a band and he's not in it um <laughs> <laughs> has there ever been an interview uh, with him where he's like asked or why he's not in the band or they ask him if he's ever tried to be in the he's band like a lot younger he's a lot younger i think like at least six years younger so it, it makes sense um and he's been in like a disney channel thing every like you know, a couple of short cameos or something like that. Yeah. But it's not in the spotlight like his brothers. And I'm convinced that he's the coolest Jonas brother. You know, I'm just Googling pictures of Frank and Jonas. <laughs> I'm not convinced you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but hey, taste the wrong. Uh, uh, Hanson, my actual answer was Bill Murray. Oh, interesting. I'd want to, because he just seems like a fascinating weird person fascinating like prankster you know yeah but then you hear more and more stories about him being a real dick uh, yeah 
I feel like that's that's bubbling up. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning how for mu- Bill How Murray. much of it is old age Bill Murray being a dick is what I wonder. Oh, I, I actually hear Do you want to hang out with old or young Bill Murray? Uh, oh. old. I like I like the old Bill Murray. What did you say, Kyle? I said old as well. Yeah. Yeah. Old, chill, Wes Anderson, Bill Murray. Not Because remember, there was well, a story and- about him like on the set of What About Bob where he took a huge ashtray and like five feet away chucked it at richard dreyfus's face yeah that's comedy dude <laughs> you weren't filming <laughs> yeah, you just attacked him <laughs> until it's your face yeah. yeah but but did you ever see the 60 minutes interview that he did a few years ago I where think so. it, he he seemed much more reflective on kind of understanding that he's he's very old now and he, and he he was putting he was putting a big emphasis on like I really want to be present a lot more and like really appreciate what is going on right now and make, you know, like have these experience, you know, have like the best experiences that I can. And he, it, he seemed like a much kind of different person and it just kind of only made him more interesting. He wants to be present as that ashtray is sinking into Richard Dreyfuss's skull. Yes. So we can really appreciate yeah. it. I understand. Uh, Harjot, uh, Alaka says, as someone who loves getting ice caps, Canadians know what I'm talking about. Canadians! When sitting down for a long gaming session, what are your preferred drinks or foods when sitting down for an extended session of your own? Drinks or foods? Orange bubbly. Orange bubbly. In like (laughs) one of those beer hats with the two cans on either side. Yeah. That's right. So hydrated. Um, I really like rum and coke. That's the go-to? Yeah. A little caffeine. A little alcohol. Yeah. Perfect. That's good for like, if you know it needs to be a long session or like if I'm at a party, I'll try and shake it every once in a while and go for a rum and Coke. If I just need to, to stay awake and especially not drinking caffeine in 2020 or drinking coffee or caffeinated tea, like that will really mm-hmm. do a number on you. That's good. Jeff, you got something healthier? Uh, yeah, I, I usually just drink tea and then just continually reuse you know, just continue filling up the cup with hot water until the point where I'm just drinking hot water at that point. <laughs> What's your favorite tea, Jeff? Uh, you know, I like just normal black tea mostly, it, especially if I'm, you know, have to focus on something where I, I need the actual caffeine. And it's it seems like you can reuse a black tea bag much longer than any kind of the flavored ones. But I have been drinking a lot of mango me crazy tea, <laughs> which is just mango flavored tea. Uh, what about uh, Hanson's best friend Patrick Stewart's yeah. Earl Grey tea? Yeah, it, it's okay. It's okay. I'll I'll do that as well. Jeff, when you realize that you left your mug, which is available in the MinMax merch store, that has a picture of you drinking out of your mug on it here oh, oh and my. ever since you it's left it here i've been using it every single morning so i've been drinking out of your skull every morning and it's very bizarre for my tea perfect yeah. yeah yeah i left it there because i figured hey i'll be back next week i don't have to carry it back and forth uh and then a pandemic happened <laughs> always when you least expect it yeah. uh caleb weiss gerber says question about last of us part two not a spoiler, I promise. I really love the first game, and I'm worried about accidentally getting the game spoiled. Whenever the game is mentioned on a podcast, I pause and jump ahead several minutes to make sure I don't hear anything about the plot of the game. Good move. Uh, before I go out and buy the game, I was wondering, 
How does it play on a base PS4? Do I need to borrow a PS4 Pro from a friend? Or will my old PS4 from 2015 be able to run it without sounding like a jet turbine? God of War was a little taxing on it, but it wasn't terrible. Um, I have a launch PS4, and I've been amazed how well Last of Us Part Two runs. Yeah, it's a little bit loud. My PS4 isn't as obnoxiously loud as I think a lot of other people's for some reason. Um, but I've... Like, there's a couple texture pop-in moments, and there was one scene where the frame rate dipped a little bit as I was, like, sprinting by some fire. And that's about it. I've really been impressed. Yeah, mine has been super loud, but, uh, you know, visually, you absolutely don't need an upgrade at this point because it, it looks amazing. And maybe just... What's that, Cal? I was just going to say, I don't think Last of Us has any, like, enhancements for Pro. Like, really? Like, I mean, maybe maybe, like you know, just automatically looks a little sharper, but often, like, you get the choice. The The big pro advantage is you can choose frame rate or 4K textures. I don't think Last of Us has that option. I could That's be interesting. wrong about that. Huh. Uh, yeah. Briscatine Trisket writes in, thank you for your support, Briscatine, says, I've always been a late adopter of each new PlayStation console. I've waited until the console got a refresh or redesign before getting one. I was very late to the party with the PS4. I bought my PS4 Pro in 2019 so I could play God of War, Horizon, Spider-Man, and Ratchet and Clank. How long do you all predict it will be until the PlayStation 5 gets a redesign and all the games above get their sequels? The God of War and Spider-Man sequels may may still be a few years out. Okay, well, Horizon is next year. So that's taken care of. Ratchet and Clank, I thought was this year, but maybe not. So that's also taken care of. Spider-Man, I guess if we're talking like a Spider-Man 2, what do we think? 2022 for that one? Yeah, that, that feels pretty good. Or maybe. When did, so to 18 is when Spider-Man came out? Yeah. And I know they have a big and team at this point, but if... Probably been split a little for Miles. But yeah. Not as much as we'd expect. But then also, you know, they can't have the support studio because that studio is making the new Ratchet and Clank. So that's that's complicated. So 2022, somewhere around there. Um, God of War is an interesting discussion point. Uh, I've been led to believe that it might be closer than we expect. And I don't know if that would imply then at the same time that maybe it's getting a little bit of that lost legacy treatment. Because it is that weird thing where there were still realms that you did not go to, and if it's just an entire new game in that same area, maybe they could get it out the door a little bit faster? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe twenty late 2021, maybe? I think that, one? I think that might be. Yeah. I could see it. If Horizon is going to be in the spring, then maybe God of War 2021. That would be awesome. And I would happily take a smaller God of War just to continue that storyline a little bit. Um, Brian with a Y... Asked if Minmax was an ice cream flavor, what flavor would it be? Orange creamsicle. Orange creamsicle. Delicious orange flavored <laughs> creamsicle. Perfect. Uh, Nick L <laughs> says, Hello, cohorts. <laughs> I have a game for you I'm calling Hunter or Rancher. Below are 10 characters that appear in either Monster Hunter or Monster Rancher. How many can you guess correctly? All right, uh, Kyle. Uh- Oh yes, Anna. Am I? Am I like? I don't know what Monster Rancher. I. Oh my what, God, Anna! Oh, is, is, I just had. Is a, that like a main game? Anna. Did this, I just miss something? This game is so up your alley. I am outraged. <laughs> it is I'm Neopets sorry. before Neopets. Ne- That's not true. Is it before Neopets? It is before Neopets. Yeah, Monster Rancher <laughs> is the series on. 
the original PlayStation and PlayStation 2 primarily, get this Anna. The way it works oh, is fine. it's all about breeding new monsters, raising them, battling them, everything you love. But the way they're generated is from CDs. Have you ever heard of this? I've never. So never you go and generate a new monster in Monster Rancher by opening up your PlayStation 1, taking any CD. It could be a music CD, another game. Oh, really? Yeah, a DVD, I guess, for Wait, the PS2 generation. It's amazing. And it, you put it in, and it has then a custom, well, not custom, but a set monster for that CD. So there were, like, old wikis and game FAQs where it's like, oh, you guys need... Um, to get the best monster in the game, you need uh, the police's second album and put that in your PlayStation. Like getting it that tied to that stuff was so fun. And so we used to just like dump all of our parents' CD collections and try every single one to get some <laughs> I'm sweet sure your monsters. Parents loved that. Oh, they just adored it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my but God. That sounds genuinely incredible. I need that right now, is the problem. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's when's Monster Rancher 3 coming out for the PlayStation 5? I think there was a Monster Rancher 3. Four or five. (laughs) Also, fun fact is that tech... Yeah, it's up there. But that tech uh, was partly developed by a developer that went on to uh, be the director of Final Fantasy XV, Tabata. He worked on those original Monster Hunter games on some of that tech. And he said he was... I remember talking to him about it while in Japan. He said it was very challenging to implement, as you could probably imagine. But seriously, Ana, whenever this whole covid thing is done we should start a let's play series of monster rancher because i gotta walk you through this stuff i want to raise i want to raise monsters great uh okay well you don't know what this is but get ready for this hey anna uh tumo dillo do you think that's from monster hunter or monster rancher um i think that's from monster hunter that is a monster rancher i'm sorry uh kyle yama sukami Oh, those were two different? Oh, no, it's one. Yama Tsukami? Yep. I think that's Rancher. That's a hunter. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm mm. going to butcher all these names. All right, Jeff. Um, Bethelgeuse. <laughs> that's a rancher. That's a rancher! I'm amazed you got that right because Basilgeist is a hunter. <laughs> so he was trying to be tricky with that one as well. Um, let's see. Kyle, what about Kieran? Kieran? K-I-R-I-N. Uh, Hunter. Trick question. It's in both, apparently. Ah, uh, Nickel, right. you've got us again. Uh, but yes, we all missed uh, Monster Hunter. We wanted to come back. I'm sorry, Monster Rancher. I don't know why you'd ever get those two confused. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Kevin Frey says, Hello, Min Max. What game do you think has the biggest drop in quality between it and its direct sequel? My vote would be for Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Symphonia Dawn of the New World. Great call. The biggest drop-off, direct sequel. Mm. I have the correct answer if we want that. I think I have the correct answer, but go ahead. Uh, Crackdown 2. Okay. Ooh. Let me, let's uh, get the Metacritic uh, out. So Crackdown Metacritic um, for 360. It's 83. Crackdown 3 is 60 on Metacritic. Uh, wait, Crackdown 2 no, Crackdown is 83? Oh, Crackdown 2. I'm sorry. Um, hang on. Crackdown 2. I would guess like in the 60s for that, maybe even lower. Hey, Crackdown 1 is 83. Crackdown 2, uh, 70. Hang on. 
It's just 70. So but not there that were, blew there it. were fewer games back then. People were just excited to have something new. It's different. Oh, no, not as they didn't play it. They're all biased. <laughs> and they all got paid for those reviews. Uh, I think I have the answer. It is Afro Samurai. The original <laughs> game for 360 and PS3, 65% of Metacritic. Like a Suda game, right? Wasn't he involved in that? Was he? I don't know. You know what I'm thinking of? I think I'm thinking of Samurai Champloo. Uh, yes, yes. Um, but that was for the first game. The second game, which nobody has ever talked about, came out in 2015. Afro Samurai 2, 21% on Metacritic. <laughs> All right. If somebody can come up with a better, bigger leap, I'd love to know that one. I downloaded that game, played it when it came out on Steam, and it is broken. It is just a disaster of a game. And then a couple weeks later, they actually pulled it from Steam, and the developer apologized and I believe shut down. And it was said like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're so sorry. This had to be wow. released this way." Um, I mean, I, I, although I mean, I st- Crackdown Two, man, it's such a good answer though. Cause yeah, I scores, whatever like, scores aside, in terms of yeah. sheer disappointment that people had, and just like big public, large disappointment. Mm. You know, like Afro Samurai is pretty niche. You know, yeah. All right, that's fair. Uh, Metacritic yeah. can't quantify disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> there needs to be a Metacritic for disappointment. I agree on oh. it. Uh, it's the user score, isn't it? I guess it might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, James Pinto says hello, Cohorsionus. That's new. Thanks, James. Um, if all of you were unable to work in the gaming industry anymore, what would you want to do and why? Hmm. Mm. I. I. I've always I was always interested in the world of TV and like TV comedy. Yeah. Like try to write and make a pilot in college and stuff like that you did yeah what is um, it i don't know i don't want to get into it it's not very good <laughs> what was it called yeah it's called making rent you can we do a table read no i don't think so come on you <laughs> baby look jeff oh, i'm your hamilton patreon goal <laughs> But anyway, I would have tried. I was at one point legitimately trying to pursue some kind of something and like writing TV or working on TV or something, you know? Yeah. Do you remember any jokes in Making Rent? Uh, yeah, there was. I had a friend who worked at a hotel. He was like, uh, he worked the front desk at a hotel and he got a really bad injury on his face. And I remember he had to call into work to ask what the hotel's open wound policy was. Like, can I come in with an open wound on my face? So we wrote that into the pilot because we always thought that was really funny. That's good. Just take so it from a, your you life. Know, set up and punchline. Knock them down. <laughs> yeah, we're Larry David over here. Oh, my God. There we go. I want to read that script, Kyle. I'm sure it's not. I, 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 going back to it today, I'm sure it's bad. Like, well, well, we're all sure it's bad, but like, you know, you <laughs> tweeted out old videos of you that are, I'm sorry, but a little bit bad. It seems like you know no, no shame. No, those are all good. <laughs> so why why are you so embarrassed about this thing? You painted know, yourself I, blue and lip-synced an opera scene from The Fifth Element. I think because that one was more <laughs> genuine. Like, I, the other ones were just fun goofing around with my friends, but this one was like, I you really trying. was trying to do something. And I, there's parts of it that I was happy about, but parts of it I wasn't. Okay. All I right. Know. Look forward to the Turned live stream of the table read for expecting. making rent. Yep, we're going to get to it. Um, anyways, Anna, did you have a thought on this? Uh, if you weren't able to fully break into the gaming scene? Okay, so one time I was at an art museum. It was, um, it was the Van Gogh Museum. 
and there was a tour guide taking around a group of kids, but she was giving a tour of the museum with like a puppet oh. of Van Gogh and was like, brought the puppet down to their level and was talking to them and bringing them through a museum literally at their level. And that's the job that I would want. That's Did they like cool. hide like a ketchup packet in the puppet's ear and then like cut its ear off at the end? Like, oh God. <laughs> I think the puppet actually, I need to look, I took a photo. I think it only has one ear, like, or it has like a little head wrap. <laughs> you got to do it. You just have to do it. That's yeah. perfect. Uh, and in tech, Corgi writes in and says, hi, tiniest ultimate <clears throat> disciples. Uh, I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, with everyone being online for work, then staying online for gaming and following the darker news of the day, we all need a break sometimes. What do you do to unplug from the grid? Phone in the um, other room. It's a big one. Mm. <laughs> Actually, I mean, this ties into Better Quest this month, where it's our show on YouTube, uh, where Jeff Cork and I set goals for ourselves, and then also the community sets goals for themselves, and we all hold each other accountable. That is uh, my goal for the month of July, is I put all of the social apps on my phone in a subfolder, <laughs> just called it the Better Quest folder, and so anytime I check any of those, I have to do 10 squats or 10 push-ups to offset it, and it, I mean, it's just been a week or so, so far, but it's, I've really, really been enjoying it. Like just not having that immediate um, just uh, pull to check my phone every time I'm like, all right, going into the bathroom or I have a down second here, I will just immediately check my phone and run through all those apps, check email, everything. And just to completely cut that out, you realize you're not missing out much. You can go to your computer twice a day and you, you get the rest of it and just avoid this distraction in your brain at all times. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you haven't noticed my delay sometimes to responding to Slack messages, it's usually because my phone is is either in the bedroom and I'm out in the living room or it's, you know, I, I like leaving it some other place where it's like, OK, I'm just not going to deal with this right now. And right. I'm going to spend time with my wife instead. That's very sweet and healthy. Um, but then I guess my other answer is like uh, going out to my family's lake place which sounds fancier than it is. We've talked about it before, I think, but it's, it's just like a garage that we kind of built an apartment into. And it, it's not a garage, I should say. It's a tin shed that used to house a Model T. It's a long, complicated story, but the point is... Yeah, it's like the West Wing of just this this small mansion that you guys have. That's right, that's right. Like you own. Uh-huh. No, so then I just go out there and it's nice because there's no Wi-Fi and just, I can leave my phone off the entire weekend uh, and really just play a lot of uh, games on the main machine. And so then it's just nonstop puzzle fighter for this summer at least and it's been a blast so that's how i unplug from the grid as i play puzzle fighter at a lake i don't know anna do you have a tough time with this yeah i mean i especially recently with covid i used to have a rule where i wouldn't go on social media after five o'clock because i considered it to be part of work but now with covid that's stopped um so i'm trying to bring that back but then other things like even just saying like okay I'm going to take this hour and my phone's going to be completely off, like kind of hide it, something like that. Something funny that I saw is one person's like, you should put your phone to bed. And like, they made a fake bed for their phone and they're like, okay, bedtime for the phone is at eight o'clock. And they like have a routine on their phone. They tuck it into bed and they don't disturb their phone after eight o'clock. 
That's hilarious. There should be like an app too. So if you jostle the phone at all, it'll be like a baby crying sound and you can't turn it off no matter how much you want to. Like one, two switch. Oh, that's what the brilliant (laughs) one, two switch game was getting at. That's very good. Uh, Jeff, I was at Target the other day checking for orange bubbly. mm -hmm. They had one, two switch in stock. How much do you think that game costs today on July, whatever the year 2020? $60. (laughs) $49.99. That's insane. That's Nintendo. Kyle, is there, if that game was on sale on the eShop, at what point would you buy it? Would you buy it for $7? No, I think $4.99. $4.99. Okay. I think my my kid might. So they're close. Yeah, damn close. You just have to drop one nine (laughs) and move the decimal. Uh, uh, Marcus Alt writes in and says, do you ever get the quote you are now the party owner message on ps4 after your friends log off and suddenly remember you're a tiny organism on a rock that's hurtling through an infinite void uh, yeah i don't know if i'd go that far marcus but it is a weird <laughs> it is a weird moment when you do get that notification it's like you can relax now you don't have to talk to anybody it's it's a peaceful weird zen moment i know what marcus means anyways rick from atlanta writes in and says hey everyone with matthew cotto's recent departure from game informer i was wondering if you could share your favorite moment working with him over the years i only remember him on the podcast from time to time mm-hmm. my favorite moment is that his name reminds me of mankato where i used to work in minnesota <laughs> thanks for <laughs> everything you do uh anna what was your favorite cotto memory Oh, yeah, you know, that one time I saw him for so, five minutes at that one place. Oh, that's true. He great. came to Javi's party. That's I true. actually did. I, he, he was at that party. I didn't talk to him or his wife or his child, but. <laughs> that's really endearing. All right, Matthew Weatherly yeah. wrote in. No, sorry. Did anybody have a Kato story they want to share after he, <laughs> he left Game Informer? Well, Kato and I, our connection is the house that I live in. I live like southeast of Minneapolis. I live about 30 minutes south of Minneapolis. Is actually the town where Kato grew up. Oh, interesting. So like Kato would always like come up to me and be like, hey, is this, is this thing still there? And be like, <laughs> no, no, that thing's gone. And he'd be like, okay, okay. And they'd be like, is there still that McDonald's with like a graveyard next to it? And I'm like, yep, yep. I go to that McDonald's often, the one with the graveyard next to it. Yeah. And uh, so, and then, the, but this one, I have an early memory of Kato where I had just started at Game Informer. Yeah. And he kind of sheepishly like walked up to me and he was like, hey, how we, I don't know if you want to do this. I know you're, you're still figuring stuff out and everything. Like, uh, but we, th- this guy, he wrote a book about Prince of Persia. Uh, he, wa- he was saying we could do an interview with him. His name's Jordan Mechner. Do you know Jordan Mechner? And I just remember being like, yeah, God, I know who Jordan <laughs> Mechner is. I want to talk to Jordan Mechner, please. How about Prince of God, Persia, give me the yeah. phone number as soon as possible. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah, no, here you go. You give him a call. Talk to him about his book. And I just I just, I just, just always thought it was funny that Kato was just like, ah, I don't know if you want to talk to the director of one of your favorite games. Right, or right. You know? <laughs> Which is so funny to me. Yeah, he's got such a good low-key personality. He, yeah. He, I feel like you... Jeffum and Kato would have a lot in common. We're both like, ah, I'm not going to get engaged in this drama. I'm just going to be low key, do my job really well, yeah. and then go home. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we, I mean, he was my, we were pizza buddies because we would go out and get pizza sometimes. And, and there were, there were a number of topics that we had um, cooking and, you know, every now and then there would be a show or something where he's, he's just a super nice and thoughtful person. And we would have, you know, these long conversations and anytime, you know, like every now and then he'd just come and pull me from my desk and we would talk about whatever, you know, the latest Game of Thrones episode or something like that. But it, that, uh, that, that was my favorite 
moment, even though it, it was many moments over the years, because he was he was just always super intelligent and and really thoughtful, you know, just as thoughtful as he was in his writing, you know, he was as thoughtful in conversations, um, you know, and would really make you think more about storytelling and, you know, cooking and all these different kinds of things. Yeah. So. Uh, I just realized my favorite memory and I wasn't there to shoot it. Somebody else shot it, which is bizarre, but then I edited it. And in 2011, I made a video where Kato is comparing playing Forza in a simulator to driving a real race mm. car. You can find yeah. it on Game Informer's YouTube channel. It's called comparing Forza to real life racing. Um, and I remember there's a section where there's like some blowhard race car driver teaching Kato how to drive a race car. And it made me laugh like a maniac. And I didn't want to cut out too much of it because this guy, like the longer he went on, the funnier he was. It It felt exactly like the South Park Aspen episode where the guy's like, all right, your pizza, we're going to French fry, you're going to have a bad time. Just kind of that, like, he's got so many little phrases and he just keeps moving at 100 miles an hour verbally. So uh, check that out for some good Cotto memories. And you get to see him laugh like a maniac driving a race car, which is fun. Uh, Hey, more Game Informer stuff here. Matthew Weatherly says or asks, do you think Ben Reeves will be wearing pants or shorts while hosting the Game Informer show? I think we're lucky if the answer is either. (laughs) Yeah, knowing Ben Reeves, uh, if you've seen our E3 coverage, that guy loves shorts. He loves short, short. So I am expecting short shorts. Some would say a Speedo. We'll see what he goes with here. Uh, uh, by the way, yeah, check out his first full episode of the Game Former Show this week. That should be fun to listen to. He's taking over the reins there. Uh, Sincerely, Eric writes in and says, simple question this week, who do y'all main in Smash? And why do I feel like Hanson is a weird person who plays as Yoshi? All right, Eric. How dare you call me a Yoshi main? I've never heard a greater insult in my life. I'm a young Link man with dignity. Young. Only, well, it used to be Toon, but, well, so in Melee it was young. Then it had to shift to Toon because they got rid of the young. But hey, everyone's back with Ultimate, so now we get to be young Link again. So it was, if we want to go, we can get fancy here. It was Falcon for 64. Yeah. It was Marth for Melee. It was Snake for Brawl, and then it was Toon Link for Smash Brothers Wii U, and then it was Breath of the Wild Link for current Smash Brothers. Do you like the timer bomb thing with Breath of the Wild Link? Because I never liked that. I don't use the bombs that much in general. That's right. We um, talked about this last week, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anna, who do you go for? Be some sort of weirdo uh, that plays as Yoshi? <laughs> no. I've, I've made Pikachu from 64 through... Brawl, and then in Ultimate, I now play as the Inkling from Splatoon. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. That's kind of technical, I feel like. Yeah, it's been fun. It's like one of those characters where like, if you keep improving, you feel like you get like a new experience. Like You get past a certain point, and playing them feels very different. Yeah. Were, um, you, were you tempted by Piku at all? Pichu? How do you pronounce that stupid thing? <laughs> Pichu, Yoshi yeah. Main. Up in here saying Piku. I don't know. How often do you say that stupid thing's name out loud? In a house with a big Pikachu fan, pretty often. Uh, I guess. I guess that's fair. <laughs> Anyways, were you tempted by that thing? <laughs> um, I I played some Pichu, uh, but like it's when I I played a lot of Smash when I was like really really young, and so I just smashed C stick attacks and right. Pichu's. C-stick attacks were not nearly as good as 
Pikachus, and so I would not play Pikachu. Right, because you get like or the headbutt. Pichu. The headbutt thing Pichu. for Pikachu, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. a mess. Tim Laro uh, submitted a question on Patreon saying, hey, I started watching the Persona 5 anime on Hulu. While I really enjoyed the game, I could have saved a lot of time by just watching the show. Do any of you have any interest in checking out the Persona 5 anime? Watching it um, when I, you know, finished 120 hours of Persona 5 Royal. Um, I hate to spoil it, Anna, but you will never, ever finish Persona 5 Royal. I- I'm going to finish it. Uh, okay, we'll see. I bet Jeff finishes Red Dead before you finish that game. <laughs> no. That, <laughs> it's impossible right, to Jeff finish. Um, we need, we need to have now. like a, an official as long as, website. As long as neither of us ever play either of those games again, then we both win. <laughs> I think we just broke you into actually playing Red Dead because yeah. I'm actually, I swear to God, I'm actually going to finish Persona by Royal. <laughs> okay. But Kyle, have you watched I, that anime? Uh, yeah, my wife and daughter just watched the Persona 4 anime. Oh. Um, they watched the whole thing, and I think they're going to roll right into 5 now. Yeah. I've never even though, Even though Ashley has played both games back-to-back, she just finished Royal, she's almost done with Persona 4 Golden, and she watched the Persona 4 anime, and Catherine came out yesterday, which is like so funny to me because it's like, oh, I'm going to take a Persona break and play Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did Catherine come out on? Uh, Switch. Oh, Switch version, Kevin. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I have never heard anybody talk about these animes. Are they okay? Uh, Persona 4 is is solid. It's good. And it's it's funny because uh, I would peek in occasionally and there was a lot of good gags where because the protagonist is like intentionally kind of blank for the case of the game. Uh-huh. And, and that's how it is in the show intentionally. So there will be these moments where characters around the protagonist are getting really emotional and like reacting and the Persona 4 protagonist would just sit there like solemn, just like sort of like facial expression not changing and then also the commercial breaks show like rpg stats and stuff like that um it's cool it seems huh. good i've heard persona 5 is not as good but i i like watching a little bit of it and just hearing general feedback sounds like persona 4 is the one to watch okay. in terms of the anime adaptation interesting james smith writes in and says hey neb nasna and the strohawk i don't even know anymore quick while surreal isn't here tell us your favorite thing about detroit become human uh, developers really seemed to like it. It seemed to be the one game they played that year. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, because it's just easy. Easy to pick up, story-focused, and they yeah. also get like the developer angle of just looking at what a technical powerhouse that game is overall as well. It looks good. You know, it's, it's kind of light. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a calorie-intensive game, I guess. I no, know. I hear you. Yeah, it, it's an easy one to, to get through, even though it's not necessarily a short game, but yeah. No. Um, I'm, yeah. I think uh, visually maybe doesn't get mentioned enough when people talk about the best looking games of the generation. I think it's definitely near the top of that stack. Uh, okay, enough about Detroit Become Human. <laughs> we now, did it. Let's move on. Don't tell Surreal. Um, Mornay writes in from South Africa and says, Hey, Ben, Kyle, Jeff, and Anna. Uh, my question is with regards to gaming apparel and t-shirts, what is your ideal piece of wearable gaming merchandise? Do you like shirts? that straight up just have the game's logo or do you prefer something different more subtle i personally love shirts that only those who have played the game will recognize like a fake company logo subtle's good yeah subtle is good i don't wear a lot of logos on shirts just in general um so i I found it's a weird answer maybe but i found that i like gaming socks because it's kind of like 
my secret on my feet. It's like, yeah, I like video games, but you only know that if you right. if I pull up my pant leg a little bit. You know? So when Ben Schwartz comes over, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a good best friend, and then just slowly pull your pant leg up and reveal. He's gonna be like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, and then but I'm gonna keep going down to the ankle, and he's gonna be like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I hope you like super. Wait, your pants were going. Sauce. You were going down with your pants instead of up. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyways yeah, he's a comedian he'll get it he likes pants humor uh yeah subtle's good like you know i like <laughs> that i got a um i have a star drop saloon t-shirt from stardew valley like i like that people probably just assume that's a bar or something but if you're in the know then you're in the know and we get to give each other a cool high five i like uniqlo's been doing cool yeah. sort of like merch um, with Nintendo, so like their Splatoon line, there are some cool shirts that I, I like to wear while like out and about. Not necessarily like if I'm you know trying to look super nice. They're just fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Jason Wojnar asks: Are there any stupid questions journalists should never ask game developers about their games when at events or in one-on-one interviews? Things that are either impossible to answer or potentially offensive to a studio or the game. Um, Jason Wojar from Ukraine. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing too outrageous. I think it's just a lot of people in interviews don't focus on the person's like specific role. You know, they'll talk to somebody in marketing about, you know, uh, the engine or just say, you know, they'll just disconnect it that way. It's like try and focus in on what that developer is actually working on from a day-to-day basis. Even if you're stuck with the, marketing lead then it's like okay let's try and talk about the marketing for this game just to try and get something other than the most generic stuff that they've been coached to say a thousand times also for interviews in general i think we can cool it with the uh, you know talking to somebody who worked on something really successful and always having that question of did you have any idea that successful thing was going to be such a hit when you were working on it it's like everybody asked that i don't know what amazing answer you're hoping for it just is like setting it up for the most generic vanilla answer anyways um john skovic says in the age of twitter and internet hot takes it's very easy for pieces of media to get reduced to two camps a one out of ten or a ten out of ten things like the last jedi whether where it's either your favorite star wars movie and you think ryan johnson is brilliant or it's an affront to the franchise that ruined your childhood Similarly, no spoilers, The Last of Us 2 criticism is being frustratingly boiled down into these two buckets as well. As an alternative to the simplification, what is a franchise or piece of media you're exactly indifferent about? A popular piece of media that I'm exactly in the middle about is Hamilton. It was fine. Perfectly entertaining just once. That's funny because I was going to say the same when I saw that question. I was going to say Hamilton. I'm sorry, but the weird thing about you and John is that you're wrong. So it's mm. not acceptable mm-hmm. as an answer to this question, Anna. I'm really sorry to let you know. Uh, Can I give you I'm another sorry answer? That you guys found out. <laughs> yeah, yeah go for I it. know. I am too. And hey, at least I'm not alone. Okay. That's you got true. John. Uh, what's the other answer? Um, well, I wouldn't say I'm indifferent about it, but I definitely don't think it's like amazing or like the most amazing fighting game I played or the worst fighting game I played, but the most recent Smash indifferent like like not as good as i'm not i'm not indifferent but it's like it's not it's not as good as melee but i like it but i'm not crazy about it okay all right 
Well, he's asking for exactly indifferent. He needs to be very precise. Different. Okay, fine. Then I'll just, I'll hold it at Hamilton. Oh, that stings. Uh, okay. I think for me, so Sorry. I don't dislike it. I watched this movie once. To be fair, I watched it in college by myself, so it's the worst place to watch it. But I am exactly indifferent about Goonies. It's, <laughs> it's totally whatever, fine. I have zero love or hate in my heart for Goonies. If I if somebody snapped their fingers and erased Goonies from existence, I would not care in the least. I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm Fair so enough. sorry. Does anybody just have any exactly in the middle indifferent ones? Yeah, I I I I'm trying to think of like TV shows that like I just watched a couple seasons of and then just stopped watching yeah. and like don't miss it. You know, like I really got into that sh- that Showtime show Shameless. My mm. wife and I watched a lot of that. And I just like fell off at a certain point. I feel no desire to go back to it. I got exactly what I wanted from that show. I think it's still going to this day. I don't know. I don't even care to Google. Like, I don't know. Is that is that indifference? Maybe. Yeah, I think that counts. Shameless, of course. Uh, yeah. Rory Gladstone writes in and says, This game came to me in the dead of night, and I thought it was so good, it was the final straw in getting me to pony up for your wonderful Patreon. So pressure's on, Rory. Below are a list of tasks taken either from scout badge criteria or they're a trophy slash achievement. Your job is wow. to figure out which is in which category, badge or trophy. Okay. Okay. This is Rory in Scotland. Okay. So here's a description. Kyle, is this a scout badge for a kid or is it an achievement slash trophy bake a cake using wheat sugar milk and eggs uh i think that's an achievement that is an achievement in is minecraft it, it, ah, i was gonna ask I was oh gonna really minecraft. oh yeah. sorry got jeff all right um <laughs> oh, this is crazy anna dry i'm sorry dive for the very first time scout scout I'm sorry, there's an achievement from Subnautica. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Marquefava, prepare... Are we a... sure that's not also a badge, though? Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to trust Rory. Prepare a meal using raw ingredients you caught. Badge. That is a badge. The survival okay. skills activity badge from England. <laughs> All right. Kyle, hmm. win a round of a pillow fight. I'm going to go achievement because I don't know how you quantify that in real life. That is a jazz punk achievement. Anna, (laughs) clean and polish the car. Go the badge again. That is a badge. The DIY activity badge, apparently, for the scouts in England. Uh, It says the car. It doesn't say a car. It says the car. Because I was going to go achievement because it was like Uh, the car. There must be a specific. This must be from Batman or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's the badges creator's car that you are cleaning (laughs) for him. This is all a scam. Jeff, build three kinds of bridges. (laughs) Achievement. That is an achievement in West of Loathing. Way to go. Kyle. Take part in a timed dragon boat event. A timed dragon boat event? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
I'm gonna go badge because that's like that sounds so much like an achievement that it feels like it's trying to throw me off. That is a scout's badge, the dragon yeah. boating activity badge. Of course, we all know it. All right, Anna, catch a pony from a field or stable. Achievement. That is a badge, the equestrian what? activity badge. Catch a pony. Catch it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems insane. Okay. All right. Kai, or sorry, Jeffem, travel a distance of 26.2 miles on foot. That better be an achievement. That is an achievement for the hunter, Call of the Wild, the hunting game from Avalanche. I mean, uh, that's, that's a marathon, right? I guess so, like yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, identify 20 species of wild bird. Mm, I'm going to go badge. I don't think there are any games that have 20 species of birds. Maybe five, maybe 10. That is a badge. I, I bet hey. Red Dead Redemption 2 has more than 20. Yeah, maybe. You'd Jeff understand I'm later, Jeff. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sick of it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Anna, catch 24 different fish. Um. Uh, th- Achievement. Achievement from which game? Bass Pro Fishing. <laughs> yep. Bass Giggle Pro Giggle Fishing is the name of the game at Stardew Valley. Uh, okay, Jeff. Um, collect at least five advertisements for different toothpaste. Ah. <laughs> uh, um. Achievement. That is the dentistry badge for the Boy Scouts of America. I'm sorry. They're really phoning it in. <laughs> go to different dentists? What? That is so it weird. seems bizarre. All right. Thank you, Rory. Thank you for waking up and for uh, supporting us on Patreon. Um, favorite question of the week. What stands out for folks? I, last game. I liked Hunter, Hunter Rancher. I thought that was clever. Yeah. We did get to talk about Monster Rancher, so that makes it a better podcast overall. Uh, it turns out there's just a lot of really complicated names to say, and it's kind of a coin toss unless you really know those games. Yeah, it was mostly the just learning about Monster Rancher all over again. It's true. But, uh, Anna, do you want to stand out for you? Now I know about Monster Rancher, so that's good. But I, I liked the last one, mainly because of the tubs of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I know we lean towards the games, but I think it's the best here. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I'll go with that, too. All right, congratulations, Rory Gladstone. Uh, I am 8-Bit. We'll ship you out this amazing vinyl soundtrack for Monument Valley, which looks very cool on the inside. So congratulations, and again, thanks to I am 8-Bit. Check out their store and use the promo code MINMAX with two N's. Uh, now it's time for Get a Load of This. Kyle Hilliard. It is me. Um... I, because it came up so much, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, okay. So I had two and I I was going to go with one, Sure, uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, this, are you familiar with the Hamilton polka Hanson? Very intimately familiar with, yeah. Weird Al's polka. It's not new. Weird Al did it like when Hamilton was at its height. It's basically like a polka sort of mashup of a bunch of different Hamilton songs. It's really fun. There's a video of, of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda like listening to it for the first time yeah. and, and really enjoying it because he's a big Weird Al fan. But so a few days ago, it's a very simple edit. 
and it's on Al Weird Al Yankovic's official YouTube page. But he just, I mean, I don't know if it was him specifically, but it was someone took a bunch of just footage from the the Disney Plus filmed musical and just got it timed perfectly so that it looks like the cast is lip syncing the, <laughs> the, the polka version. And it all, I mean, it's not like a complicated edit or anything. It's just like they, they just sped it up just enough just so the lips sync perfectly. But it, but it, it's so much fun to watch. And uh, I, I it, it just made me happy. What did they do for the and Peggy <laughs> fart sound part? Uh... I don't think it's just Peggy's face fart sound. Okay. You know, this is a good question. We'll have to watch it and see. Okay. Follow in the link below. That's good. Uh, Anna, did you have one? Yeah. So I saw this games developer. uh, They're like a narrative designer slash writer. Um, They started doing like a miniature horror series completely on Twitter. Um, And it's like gone viral and it's so well written and like it just puts you in this mood and it's like okay social media is not a great experience but reading that was a was a fantastic experience how does um, it is just, there interactivity um no it's just like i think they use a certain feature of twitter where it's like framed differently or they make it like a moment or something and so it just like looks nicer and it sort of stands out from like regular tweets more but it literally started as a thread and now like it blew up they are like they do them regularly and people like go to their twitter profile to like read these short stories on twitter huh cool yeah the link's in the description that sounds fun uh let's see jeffem did you have one yeah. too hey get a load of this uh you remember when books were a thing that you could get from the library oh yeah books or libraries in general i guess uh so I the other day I was thinking about how it it's really unfortunate that I can't go to the library since I have more time to read right now with the quarantine. And after a little Googling, I found out that libraries are a lot hipper than we think they are. And that in in Minnesota especially, but well, not especially, but um, you know, that's my experience. But all all across the country, I guess, a lot have, of libraries have started offering ebooks. And having like a, a whole ebook program, huh? And in in Minnesota specifically, you can sign up and get a temporary library card during the quarantine because you can't go in and get one. But so you can just sign up right online, and you can start uh, checking out their online, you know, ebooks. And it, it's interesting because they've built they've built an entire infrastructure there there's a company called overdrive that that handles all kinds of ebook rentals and then amazon also has their whole, own entire system and so when you go you go through the the website of your normal library but then when you check out a book you kind of get it kicked through amazon and you can you know get it on your on your kindle or other ebook reader or huh straight through a browser or tablet like it, it was much more versatile than i thought it would be and there's there's a much larger selection of books and you can read them on pretty much anything at this point so i downloaded a bunch of books nice that's cool um kotaku had an interview this week with an engineer who worked on the original nes or famicom i guess in japan uh, whose name is Masayuki Uemura. I'm sorry for butchering that as well. Um, but there's a lot of just 
fun quotes where this guy is so relaxed in a way that you don't hear a lot of Japanese developers be, especially in just you know text interviews like this. But you know, so uh, Kotaku asked him, "How did the Famicom project come about?" And he says, "It started with a phone call in 1981. President of Nintendo Yamauchi told me to make a video game system, one that could play games on cartridges. He always liked to call me after he'd have had a few drinks, so I didn't think much of it. I just said, "Sure thing, boss," and hung up." It wasn't until the next morning when he came up to me sober and said, that thing we talked about, you're on it. And then it hit me. He was serious. <laughs> uh, and I'll just, there's a couple more quotes I just love where apparently they designed the color of the Famicom, like that red and white uh, that's based on a scarf that Yamauchi really liked. Like, I just love how casual these things are. And it's just video game history at that point. Um, and you, he also said, there's a rule in the video game industry that fads for, last for about three years, as everybody thought. And that's why President Yamauchi targeted America for the NES to get around that. The prevailing sense at the time was that television games would fade into history as they were replaced by personal computers. So we were shocked that the fad kept going. It was Kudo-san, the president of a company named Hudson, one of Famicom's first licensees, who said to Yamauchi, this is a culture. Yamauchi was like what are you talking about? <laughs> and then this one is insane. He says at the end, Super Mario Brothers isn't set in Japan, but the character is Japanese. The name sounds Italian, but he isn't Italian. They were really able to capture that ambiguity in the original Mario Brothers. Clearly, right. his, out of his mind, I'm sure Miyamoto uh, spat out his tea when he saw this and was horrified with this engineer out there being like, oh no, he's, he's not Italian at all. He's Japanese. Um, but then he goes on... Of course. It's, of course. Yeah. Then he goes on to talk about like how lucky so many Japanese designers were at the time because for so many of those early games, they're able to take inspiration from anime and manga that hadn't been popularized in the West. Everybody accredited a lot of creativity and brilliance to early video game designers when they're like, eh, we're just going to take it from that. But that's coming from an engineer, not an artist, you know? So take it with a grain of salt. But uh, Jeff, did you have one pulled from the community discord? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this one came from Nick, Asian Perk, uh, and it is a tweet from Hard Drive Mag. It's a very silly graph that says, and in the, in the headline for it is, Disturbing Poll Shows Majority of Population Still Unaware of Wordplay in Miles Per Hour. <laughs> and I didn't get that joke until I saw that tweet. Are you serious? I'm one of those people. How is I, that possible? I, I didn't even know that he, he had a last name. That is horrifying. You're at Game Reformer for how long? With Tim Turry. For like over and 10 Brian years? Jay. And you had no yeah. idea? No. So I'm one of those people. But now I'm not. So they can move that graph up a little bit. Oh, my By the God. way, Hard Drive Mag, right? Yeah. They're, they're getting to that point where, like, where the onion gets to for me, where I see tweets and stuff from them, and it's so funny that it makes me mad. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're getting there. They're, they're hitting that point, which is yeah. like impressive. Like kudos to them. Like that they're, they're hilarious over there. I had that moment the first time I read making rent, like that pilot episode. I was yeah, outraged that I didn't come up with joke. It. God, that was so good. <laughs> Anyways, thank you to everybody that watched or listened to this episode of the MinMax show. Um, we have Anna's episode of refreshed coming up on Thursday live and Friday for the archive. So please look forward to that everybody. And uh, let us know what you want to see from the future of MinMax in the comments. We're all looking forward to Leo Vader joining us next week. It should be a fun, exciting week for MinMax and fun, exciting 
summer, despite the distance and the and the virus. Um, it should be an interesting shakeup to our content and the production workflow, which will be very fun on a technical level. So there's going to be a lot of small changes coming up, but I hope you're on board for all of them. And thank you to all of our $50 supporters on Patreon. I am 8-Bit, The Bam Box, Beaten Down Brian, Zachary Pliggy, Rebecca Lang, Mirko Arino Torreno, Brian with a Y, Jawar Hello, Mark Seliga, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, E.N.T. Clark, J.T. Fells, Andrew Sanford, Ludwig Roque, Matthew Paxton, Steve Bam Dead, Time Mom Tom, Josh Elliott, Yarrow, Tyler Carver, Captain Subs One, Michael Jakes, and Midnight Satire. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go. Sorry, I realized the hell is that oh, sound? That weird. Doesn't it sound like she was like, Did Anna become a Foley artist? Uh, is it Anna or Abby with the way she's fucking stuff? Those, those are the loudest footsteps I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's the flooring. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Right, I'm confident right. that you don't weigh 500 pounds, but that's what it sounds Also, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt before we start. Kyle, look. So I'm I'm in Chicago right now. That's why I have a slightly oh, different setup. Oh, that's why you're stomping. Uh, with Chicago with stomping. my parents. Yeah, Chicago's the city of stomping. <laughs> um, and look at what's at my dad's yeah. house. Yeah, the orange eat. flavor. Send he literally has a whole box. S- send it to me. I'll pay <laughs> you. I can't find it anywhere. I've had to f- start drinking ugly. I think they're oh in God. stock here Honestly. in Chicago. I think they're in stock here. I mean, you they're... saw my my tweet, right? That's why you're. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's why. Like, yeah. I I I almost check every day. I find some excuse to go to the store to see if they have orange. So bubbles. Anna, like, <laughs> open one up, drink half of it, and then ship that can to Kyle. Just yeah. see what happens. <laughs> Just ship a half full can, please. I can drive by and throw like a mm. half, an opened can onto your lawn. Does that sound nice? If there's if your dad's like doesn't care about it, he's like, that's ah, fine. I, I'll send you some money to ship it to me. <laughs> <The hell? laughs> I, like, I can't tell how serious you are right now. Uh, I'm uh, I'm serious. I, I would buy. Wait, okay, probably. all right. So why do you care about this flavor <laughs> so much? I just I don't know. I I it became this like it's all it became all I drink because like I I it became my like anti soda to drink like sparkling water and then I found my favorite sparkling water. I I probably drink like three a day. You know. He's actually oh. a, a blonde, but he just drinks so much of the orange bubbly. It's like eating too many carrots. It changes your complexion exactly. and your, and your you hair color. It. Yeah. You get it.